The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. This is the launch episode of the 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Network. Uh, my name is Josh McLaughlin. I'll be taking you on this journey through Impact Wrestling and a few other th- shows, as well as uh, you know the wide world of video games. Joining me uh, tonight and every week is my co-host, Sandy Gaviria. Sandy, how are you? I'm good, Josh. How are you? Hi, everyone. Thank oh, you so much man. for joining us today. This is super exciting. Uh, Sandy and I talked about doing this. We've been talking to uh, you know Jeremy Donovan about getting this together to launch on the Social Suplex Network. We both love wrestling. We both love video games. Uh, it's just why not pair the two and make a podcast about it? Um, at least you know I I'm a white man on the internet, so I feel like I should have my voice heard sometimes. Um, but you know what? I, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to have fun. Uh, and Sandy, we have a special guest joining us tonight for the launch episode, don't we? We do. I'm very excited. Jeremy Donovan is here with us tonight. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Josh. Hey, Sandy. Glad to be here with you guys. Excited for the launch of the 8-Bit eight, Suplex. Yeah, I'm man. We're, we're, we're so excited to have you here. Of course, you can catch Jeremy on the uh, Ace of Podcasts keeping it strong style here on the social suplex network. And uh, before we get started, I just want to throw it out there. The support for the 8-Bit Suplex is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Uh, I have a Manscaped uh, razor. I have used the Manscaped razor. And we'll talk more about that later in the show. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay. so, Sandy, you might want to plug your ears for that talk. It, I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe go and uh, pour yourself some water. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So uh, getting into it, like I said at the top, uh, we're talking Impact Wrestling here. Uh, we're, I, as far as I know, Jeremy, the only show that's really going to be talking about Impact on a weekly basis on the Social Suplex Network. That's right. So – Give you a little background here. I was not a historic TNA watcher. I think maybe at one point I flipped it on Spike TV and I saw all the old WWE guys running around, and I said, "What am I doing here?" Like, I, and I just changed the channel. I kept moving on, right? And apparently, I missed you know some bad Jeff Hardy days. I missed some you know really good Kurt Angle matches, from what I understand. So there was some good stuff that I missed. But I'm happy to pick up now. Um, and kind of going forward, because I, I think Impact is, and we can get into this a little bit later, they're a company that I think is actually benefiting from not having fans in attendance because they kind of didn't already. And so just having nobody there, I think it allows them some creativity. But Sandy, I, what's what's kind of your experience watching Impact or TNA uh, going back throughout the years? Honestly, same thing with you. I've always been like, since I first started watching wrestling when I was eight years old, I was a diehard WWF, WWE fan. And, of course, any 
any competition to that has always I've always been like no I'm loyal and especially when <laughs> WCW came around I was like I refuse to watch Nitro I am raw for life um so kind of the same thing with TNA and kind of like, that, like what you said you know you see it through the when you're scrolling through the channels and you say oh hey I know Kurt Angle I know Jeff Hardy this AJ Styles guy looks pretty pretty cool um, but never, never actually sat down weekly and kind of kept up with the with the product, unfortunately. And of course, you know, back in the day, TNA, we know what that stands for. Wasn't really all about it. Um, but I am very excited to kind of join this journey with you. As as I, I think we can call ourselves new fans to the product. Um, yeah. I'm very excited too for the Knockouts division. I mean, they are stacked, and I cannot wait to watch weekly and really get into learning more about uh, their talent. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jeremy, I know you're you're the wrestling aficionado here. I know you watched TNA back in the day. I know you watched WWE. I know you watched WCW. Chat, chat, chat us up a little bit about, you know, kind of what your experience was watching TNA back in the day. Yeah, so, you know, lifelong wrestling fan. I started watching wrestling like I was two or three years old and never, never stopped. Um, you know, fast forward to O2. Um, I was getting a little bit tired of WWE. We were in the middle of the Triple H, you know, reign of terror. He was beating all the baby faces. He was beating <laughs> RVD and Booker T and Kane. He was just, you know, winning all time. I was like, man, there's got to be something better out there. And, um, you know, a friend of the show, Ben Schaefer, hit me up one day. He's like, man, you got to watch this, you know, TNA thing. Like this this young AJ Styles guy that's flying all around. You got to watch this. So started watching TNA. I get some of the weekly pay-per-views. Um, also Ring of Honor. They kind of shared rosters in the early days. And so... Seeing guys like Styles, Joe, Loki, Chris Saban kind of going back and forth. And then um, Impact got on to Fox Sportsnet. And I would watch, I think it was like every Friday at like 3.30 after I got home from school, it'd be on. And yeah, I was really digging it. All the exhibition guys uh, really fell in love with AJ Styles and Chris Saban. Those were two of my favorite exhibition guys. And yeah, I was pretty much, you know, becoming a really diehard Impact fan. And then they got on Spike TV. And then eventually they decided to switch to Mondays and try to compete against Raw. Um, didn't work out so well. <laughs> had, to, had to tuck their tails and go back to Thursdays. But then it just got to the point where they were, you know, they were bringing in Hogan and Bischoff and Hall and Nash. And instead of relying on the young, talented guys that they had on the roster, they just kept pushing the the older um, guys, the WCW guys, the guys that, you know, weren't putting out the best matches, but quote unquote had the star power. And there was a lot, a lot of mistakes we were making, and I just kind of fell off of TNA probably in the, the latter end of, like, 2008, 2009. And then, you know, I would try and keep up with what was going on because there's still a lot of guys I liked, but I wouldn't really watch weekly. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited to get back into it now. Yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned, too, like, I think there's that, that connection between uh, what was going on there and the fact that you had guys like Vince Russo back there booking, right? You had guys... Uh, I mean, Bischoff is there. You got everything's going on. I mean, how many different times you're gonna have? You know, Bischoff's gonna push Hogan every chance he gets, right? So <laughs> it's kind of you know, when you go back there and you're like, yeah, okay, you know, maybe skip past those parts. But you know, like you said, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. I mean, Sandy, we might have to go back into the archives uh, a, I know. a couple of times some, and, some and watch some of these classic matches. And you know, Impact does this cool thing now, I guess. Uh, where they actually have a flashback. And I'll mention that flashback moment later because uh, I thought it was pretty funny who was featured uh, losing in it. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, exactly a little about. bit of modern day commentary you know, for what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, like you guys mentioned, I 
I consider myself a lifelong wrestling fan. I had a big break. I think a lot of people go through that big break. But for me, uh, it was I was the exact opposite of Sandy in that WCW was the show that I watched. Monday Nitro was the show that I watched. And a couple of reasons. Uh, first reason is that it was on Channel 26, and ESPN was on Channel 27. And I was not allowed to watch wrestling as a child. So I would put it on 26. And if my mom came around the corner, I flipped that button to 27. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh. Especially, you know, especially too, like this is the late 90s, right? So you got all kinds of stuff being thrown out in, in the name of wrestling that, let's be honest, uh, it was a coming of age story for young Josh at, at that point. Um, just seeing things I had never seen before and, and, and I didn't know what to do with. So you know, moms, moms typically have an idea of what you can handle. <laughs> and uh, I thought she was wrong then. Maybe she was right. I don't know. But needless to say, I kept watching WCW. I fell in love with the cruiserweights that they would throw out there. Uh, lifelong Rey Mysterio fan. Um, don't know that we'll ever get the chance really to cover Rey Mysterio much on this podcast. So I'll just say uh, that I think he's probably the most entertaining uh, guy I've ever watched. And I know that's a very subjective thing. And I'm going to move on to the next topic so that Jeremy can't tell me I'm wrong. So, <laughs> but no, and also, you know, and also, you know, and we'll touch on this later too. Uh, but the WCW N64 games uh, really drove that love of wrestling um, and video games and got me invested in the WCW product, even though I was too young to understand what the big deal with Hulk Hogan being a bad guy was. When I started watching wrestling, Hulk Hogan was a bad guy. So for me, it was I didn't have that historical context, but I got invested in the product through the video games, and then you know, of course, the proximity to ESPN uh, on uh, Bright House down here in, uh, in Tampa. <laughs> so getting right into it for this week's Impact, um, we get a video package. Last week we saw Rich Swan come out to the ring, give a really impassioned retirement uh, announcement because of the beatdown he received at Slammiversary after eliminating Eric Young in the five-man elimination championship match. And uh, Eric Young just obliterated his knee with a chair, kind of put it in the... Yeah, it's pretty nasty stuff. So we watched kind of a recap of that because uh, Willie Mack... uh, Came to the defense of Rich Swan after a beatdown again after the retirement announcement. And I thought it was a really good video package. It really set the scene for the first match. And then, I don't know about you guys, I was completely taken out of it, like, immediately. Because I didn't realize that the brawl between Willie Mack that starts was not a part of the video package. Because there was no, there was no introduction to the show in between. I don't know if you guys had that same experience. You know what? I actually, I actually didn't. Mine was the complete opposite. I kind of was able to to see, oh, okay, this is EY, this is current. I, I guess I didn't notice that they didn't really do a separation between the two. But I really loved the. I thought it was a strong intro, in my opinion. We have the video package, we have the Y, and then and then we have EY <laughs> and Willie <laughs> Matt going at it. And I really enjoyed that. That was. It looked like a. It was a brutal beatdown, and then it was an exciting way to start the show, in my opinion. I really loved that. It's better than the whole, you know. 30, 40 minutes of one long promo telling you about what's happened and what's going to happen a la 
raw sometimes, you know, those things can be just so long. But I really enjoyed this. I really, I really liked it. And the way they made their way to the ring, let's get it going. Let's keep it moving. I really enjoyed that. What about you, Jeremy? What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sandy. I thought it was a great way to kick off the show. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of, in a way, jarring, but in a good way. It's like, yeah, the video packages, and right. you, you expect, like, the theme song and the opening impact video to play, and then you, you would throw Josh Matthews and Madison Rain to get started. But, yeah, you, they cut right away to the back, and Willie Mack and Eric Young are just going at it. You know, Willie Mack trying to get revenge for his uh, friend, Rich Swan. And so, yeah, it was a great way. I love shows that start off with action. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think promos are the best way to start off. I think you need to start off with either with a hot angle or a hot match. And so it kind of did both here. They started with this angle backstage that kind of spilled out into the arena that led to the first matchup. Exactly. Yeah, it, start strong, yeah. finish strong is the way I like it. Absolutely. And we see this every week pretty much with Dynamite, right? You turn on AEW Dynamite, you know you're getting a match right off the jump. You know it's going to be high energy. You know, it's going to be awesome. Like this week's Dynamite comes out with the Young Bucks right away, right? And then there's a spillover. There's some beat up stuff with the Dark Order getting that match going. And, and this was a great brawl. Every, th- every forearm, every punch, every kick that Willie Mack and Eric Young threw, I thought every single one of them just felt like it hurt. Like it felt like it hurt. And yeah. you could feel the emotion in, in what Willie Mack was doing just he really just wanted to beat the ever-loving piss out of Eric Young. And Eric Young is just, I mean, we know Eric Young. He's just nuts, right? So he he he, he really sold that maniac uh, thing really well. And I thought Willie, when he got into the ring and called him out and said, look, man, uh, this you, you're coming in here right now. And Eric Young tried to back out. But I thought Willie, uh, Willie was really strong on the mic, really selling how much it meant to him that he beat up his friend Rich Swan. Um, and I thought, I mean, we got, like you said, the, the action continued into a, what I thought was a really good match. I thought it was a great match. And yeah, going back to uh, Willie Mack's promo in the ring, just so natural, easy flowing. Like, hey, he just wants to re- avenge his uh, his friend, Rich Swan. He just wants to say, hey, get in here and let's just fight like men and, and resolve this right now. Of course, EY being the, the coward that he, that he is in the show. Um runs away but um no i thought it was a, a really great way to get into the show and the match was so hard hitting i haven't seen willie mack wrestle in a little while um I, i'm obsessed with his pwg stuff and his um other independent stuff he is so freaking agile and i knew this in my mind because i've seen him wrestle before but then i'm watching this match and my ma- my mouth is just like my jaws dropped just seeing him do uh what he does in there that kip up and that moonsault oh i know we're gonna get into it i think but uh, I, my, my jaw was, like, on the ground. I was like, I can't believe this man can do that. It's I love it. <laughs> yeah, Willie Mack is awesome. Such a great athlete for uh, a guy his size. And, yeah, I've been a fan yes. of his stuff. I've seen a lot of him in Lucha Underground um, and some of the other indie <gasps> stuff. I've always right. been a fan of Willie Mack. And, like you mentioned, yeah, his opening promo was so good. And you can definitely tell, like, it wasn't super scripted. Like, they gave him right. some bullet points. It came off, you know, very real and emotional. His best friend – um, had to retire due to what Eric Young did, and you know he they let him be himself. You can tell the verbiage was stuff that he would say if this really happened to him in real life, and so it came off very well. The whole brawl was very raw and gritty, and it just came off really well. And then yeah, going into the match, it was a great yeah hard hitting match. I thought Willie Mack did a great job selling here. You know, Eric Young was working over the neck uh, throughout the match up here, also that would kind of lead to the finish. And I thought Willie Mack did a great job. Of, of selling and kind of making Eric Young look this, this monster. Oh, yeah. 
That cell yeah. after the, uh, the finishing pile driver, where he literally just looks like he's floating in the air. I'm like, how is a big man able to do this? And that it just looked brutal. It looked like he just got destroyed, and it was great. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it, I, Sandy, you brought up that, the standing moonsault. A man that size <gasps> should I not be know. able to do a standing <laughs> moonsault. And actually, it's I wrote down the, you know, he does, you know, the follow-away slam to the kick up, the kip up to the standing moonsault. And just that transition, it was like it was like watching a cruiserweight do it. It was effortless. I, I mean, I, and Jeremy and I talked after Slammiversary and watching uh, Willie Mack's uh, performance there. Like, I'm blown away with him every time he steps in the ring. I, I really am because, like, you know, he, he reminds me of a more agile, uh, like, a bigger version of, like, the luchadors that you would see on a Monday Night Nitro, right? Like those guys were doing stuff that was super innovative back in the nineties. Well, Willie Mack at, you know, six foot six, 280 pounds is doing them like it's nothing. And, and it just, it was my, I mean, he also did a, a slingshot uh, crossbody to the, down to the floor that, you know, you just watch that and go, why do, why do people even try to get in the ring with them? You know, it's, it's just, it's I was blown away by it, but no, I really enjoyed this match. And the, the, the ending pile driver that uh, Eric Young uh, gets him with. Uh, I mean, it's oh good to see God. Eric Young doing yeah, pile drivers so again. Good. <laughs> yeah, pile driver was great, and yeah, the whole story even just leading to that pile driver. You know, William Mack hit the hit the big stunner, one of his signature mm-hmm. moves, and he could have easily got, either pinned him or he, he could have just gone to the top, hit the six star frog splash. But instead, he went out, grabbed a chair. He wanted to get some revenge. He wanted to injure uh, EY, and he was going to do the you know the pilmanization and jump off the top rope on the chair, but EY got up and took advantage and was able to get that pile driver. Yeah. That emotion that we discussed earlier. It's like, okay, he wants revenge. He wants to, he wants to be there for a rich swan and really get at EY. And yeah, it wasn't just about the pin. It was like, I want to hurt you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Um, And, you know, let's talk a little bit about Eric Young because my first introduction to Eric Young was, in the NXT faction sanity. And I really enjoyed his work in sanity. I got to see them live a couple of times here in the house loop. Um, and I always thought, you know, he was a guy that could really move in the ring. I just, he, for whatever reason, the character they gave him to work with, I felt like they put a lot of restraint on it and they kind of kept Eric young from getting over. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Sandy, how much, how much uh, Eric young and, and sanity, and then after the call-up, being by himself, I mean, what were your thoughts about how WWE kind of treated that character? I feel like with Eric Young, it's a pretty universal um, train of thought there that Sanity was awesome. I think like nine out of ten people would tell you that. I know my friends, we love Sanity. That entrance, because I got to see them by the NXT uh, little coconut loop as well. Their entrance was awesome. Everyone in the in the group just was so, they worked so well together. They had that. They, they were they were a good good stable good group they worked together they looked great it, I, I thought it was I was very sad when they came to the main roster and unfortunately were were disbanded I love Nikki Cross and then of course all the they kept their same characters almost but they were just not together and it just wasn't the same anymore EY fell through the cracks and <clears throat> I'm just very happy to see him um, and the, his new home and impact uh, again being able to to do what he loves that, that makes me more happy than anything you know. Who cares what happened, what transpired? He's he's now able to to do what he loves, and he's not just sitting in the sidelines. And he looks 
Can you can we talk about his looks for a second? He looks like a completely different person without a beard. I'm like, who is this man? I know it's him, but man, he looks <laughs> wild. <laughs> he's the he's probably the first guy that's ever shaved his beard and looked crazier because of it. <gasps> yeah. Right? <laughs> it's usually the other way around. <laughs> But Jeremy, yeah, you, I, now you, because Eric Young was, this is not his first tour here in uh, Impact. You know, when he came to NXT, I think there was a lot of excitement there, right? There was a lot of, oh man, Eric Young's going to be in NXT. This is going to be awesome. And it was for a while. Yeah, Eric Young was definitely kind of one of the foundation guys in the early days of TNA, especially in that exhibition. They had a big faction called Team Canada with uh, him, Petey Williams, um, a couple of dudes in there. Scott Demore was the coach of the team, and yeah, Eric Young was kind of this cult favorite. And his original character, who's kind of like this underdog, he used to be a scared of his pyro. Um, like the pyro would shoot off, and he would like jump and be scared. And um, he was a really like funny character. And they kind of built this, this whole moment. He like he left Team Canada, and they had, they had the whole like the crowd would chant like "Don't fire Eric," and he would like fight for his job every week until it got to the point where he kind of changed and started becoming like this more like serious psycho character. And then he became then he went over to NXT. So yeah, it was pretty exciting. Seeing a, a talented guy like Eric Young come from TNA over into NXT, um, and I was yeah, I, I love Sanity like like you guys saw them here on the Largo Loop, and um, I thought that Sanity was a great faction in NXT. I thought Eric Young he does a really good job with that kind of like almost a cult leader kind of psycho uh, character, and he's a really solid in ring worker, and Fair, I yeah. thought they did a good job with them in NXT, but then. Like we've seen over the years with so many NXT call-ups, say, bring them up to Raw or SmackDown, they don't seem to have a real game plan with them. And it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll bring them to SmackDown. And then they, I think they might have won their first match. And then after that, they lost. And then they broke them up. They put, you know, Killian Dane back to NXT. They sent Alexander Wolf to NXT UK to be a part of Imperium. And then Eric Young was just kind of by himself. And then he was on main event. And then we just never saw him at all. Um, so like you were saying, Sandy, I think it's great that, you know, TNA is bringing, or excuse me, Impact is bringing back, you know, an Impact original, a guy like Eric Young, who's is still very talented and still has a lot to offer to the business. Agreed, yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was great in that, that Slammiversary uh, championship match um, and really felt like he was going to win it the way he started out of the gates. Um, and then, you know, it's it just, I, I'm happy to see him clearly happy and enjoying himself. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's sometimes what happens. You get to WWE, they stifle your character and your creativity. Um, and Sandy, you know, you know this as well as anybody, um, your, your character work, your art, that's, that's your art form out there, right? So you're, you're trying to express yourself through what you're doing in the ring. And if you're being told not to do things, I mean, that's got to hurt you, right? Oh, absolutely. This is a, wrestling is subjective just like art just like music and just like with your art and if you're an artist or if you're a musician i mean what's the what's the point of, of doing something that's not that's not you that's not going to be your creative outlet you might as well just go work in a nine-to-five job office you know or just have no hobbies you know this is their career this is who they want to they want to be able to express themselves um we all we all deep down want that but when it's when it's something at, at that level um, it's imperative that they let you kind of be creative and let you do what you imagine yourself as um, in wrestling. And it's very sad that they kind of took that away from him. And But, hey, now we get to see, I think, the best of EYs is still yet to come. I agree. And that's strange to say about a guy that's in his late 30s. Um, but, yeah. I mean, yes. he, he looks great. So, 
moving on. He just needs to grow his beard out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he'll keep it clean shaved with the uh, with the shaved head. But uh, you know, we get a, a wrestle house segment here, a wrestling house. I you know, I I saw this on social media. I saw who was a part of it. Um, I'm a big fan of of Tyria. I'm a big fan of Kylie Ray. I'm a big fan of Tommy Dreamer, who pops up here and there. Uh, in there, uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, as I'll note, did send me a private message once. Um, so it's a it's a pretty interesting segment. Those of us that grew up in the '90s and early 2000s, we remember shows like uh, the Surreal. Uh, I believe it was the Surreal Life, where they would take a bunch of celebrities and they would throw them in a house together and they would just videotape it. And it was the most garbage television that ever existed, but you could not look away. I mean, I, I think one season had Vanilla Ice, Ron Jeremy, um, a, and a bunch of other like you know has-beens and like it, it's just it's a very strange concept. And then they've taken that, and I guess Big Brother would be a, another comparable. I never watched Big Brother, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know what what is your guys' kind of first experience here watching Wrestle House? We'll start with uh, Jeremy. Yeah, so like you, Josh, I, I kind of saw some clips um, on Twitter uh, of some Wrestle House segments. I was kind of like, okay, what's this? This is, you know, a little bit interesting. And then yeah, I saw the first segment here, and I was like, okay, it's definitely a little bit different. But as you you kind of watch it and you see more of the segments, it's it's you know, it's it's a time where there's empty arena. It's time where companies are getting creative, doing something different, and you know, it, it's an interesting way to kind of you know build some personalities for a lot of these characters that might not get you know promo or mic time during regular time. So I definitely thought, you know, this is kind of an interesting way to like take you out of the empty arena, show you some, you know, characters you either you might be familiar with or not familiar with and kind of build some personalities behind these guys. What do you think, yeah, Sandy? Sandy? Yeah, Sandy, what do you think? A hundred percent agree. So this is my I didn't get to see any clips on Twitter. This is my very first time. So I'm watching Impact and then this Wrestle House thing comes on and I'm like, oh no, what is happening? What is this? <laughs> so I'm like, oh what are they doing? No. But I I was so into it. Uh, I did watch a surreal surreal house. I was such a fanatic of those just garbage reality TV shows. I sure. watched them all. Rock of Love, Flavor of Love. I love New York, the dating ones, of course, and then all the celebrity houses ones. Oh, absolutely love them. So I'm like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. And it was nice to see some familiar faces. I was familiar with all, all the women's wrestlers. Uh, we had Taya, like you mentioned, Kylie Ray. I love Kylie Ray. Um, and Sue and Susie now, I guess, right? I haven't, right. Yep. Like, she was wrestling as too young. Now she's Susie. I don't know what happened there, but I'm sure I'll get to find out a little bit while watching uh, Wrestle House. But it was nice, and it was a nice introduction to a lot of other male wrestlers. Uh, I think I don't think I knew anyone, any of the male wrestlers in the house. So this is a nice little introduction to them. Get to see what what they're about, their personalities. I was really into it. I'm, I'm I was like, oh, show me more of this, show me more of this, and I was very excited that you know throughout the show they did have some more clips. Yeah, and what was funny too, and this was the first of three segments I think that we got from Wrestle House. Um, the the idea that Taya is kind of running the show because you know hey listen I'm Taya you gotta listen to me right and we're gonna watch this amazing movie and it's gonna be the best movie you've ever seen <laughs> all the critics love it and then it's just the best of Taya <laughs> in Impact uh, exactly. highlight reel perfect <laughs> I, I I did laugh out loud at, at that I thought it was pretty funny um, and then uh, you know we'll get into it later on but some of the reactions in the room to kind of what was happening. 
And then there was a weird kind of um, love story kind of happening in the background with Susie. Um, and, and Alicia kind of is like helping her get ready for this date. And then I, the other guy, I didn't know him. I, his name escapes me. But they got set up on the date. And she shows up. Cousin Jake. There you go. Yeah, Cousin Jake. So uh, it was pretty pretty corny stuff. Um, but I thought, it, you know, like you said, Jeremy, what are you going to do? I mean, you got no crowds. You can only throw so many matches in a show before people start kind of getting wrestled out, right? Professional wrestling always had stuff mixing it up, always had crowd reactions, hot promos, uh, you know, fan interactions. How do we keep it going? And, you know, TNA Impact has always been done pretty good from that perspective of taking it and doing this scripted content. Um, and, you know, obviously we have, you know, Matt Hardy to thank for that uh, going back a few years. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was a good segment. Uh, it led up to cutting out of that, a back scene, and I believe that was Rhino gets jumped. Um, I don't know the context of that because I didn't watch uh, last week's Impact. Um, but I, I don't think that's the last we'll see of that. Um, and then you know, we'll jump into the next match here with the freshly signed Timber Lee. Uh, I got Yay! to know I, I got to her. know her as Abby Lath in NXT, and I got to see her what wound up being her last NXT house show, uh, where she was uh, jobbed out to Shayna Baszler in like two and a half minutes. Um, she she's been on the record that she was not happy at NXT. Didn't really like what you know they were kind of having her do i don't think she was used to just going out and jobbing to people in two minutes at house shows um when you know if you look at some of the matches that she's had in the past i mean this is a, a woman that's done a lot of intergender wrestling she's wrestled drew gulak she's uh wrestled chucky e. t so you know she's got a lot of matches under her belt um so you know i'm i'm happy to see her uh in a place where it looks like she's going to get some opportunity and you know i heard sandy uh, you're saying you're a big fan I love her. I think she, man, she is a solid worker. No matter, you know, like going back to wrestling being subjective, you're going to have people you like and people you dislike, but you can't take away the fact that she is such a great worker. Her selling, her execution of every move, she's very precise, she's very clean, she's very aggressive. She goes out there and it's and it's a hard, hard-hitting fight. And now this one, too, with Jordan Grace, right there, right. par and par. It was such a good match. I, man. Five stars from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, very familiar with both Jordan Grace and Kimberly. I've seen a lot of uh, Kimberly's independent work uh, before NXT and Impact. Uh, Kimberly, she would often work. So there's a women's promotion called Shine, which is a part of the WWN network that uh, tours here in Tampa. They normally wrestle in the Orpheum. And so I've seen a lot of Kimberly and Jordan Grace on Shine shows and then um, I saw a lot of Kimberly. She did some Ring of Honor stuff, and she was kind of one of those top independent names that you would hear on the woman's side, kind of in that 2000, like late 2000, um, you know, time frame. And then she got over to NXT. It was like, yeah, another exciting signing, you know, another you know solid woman they're picking up from the independents. And for whatever reason, it just never worked out there. And you can kind of tell towards the end of her run, she it kind of felt like she kind of fell out of love with wrestling. It was maybe a little um, just not motivated, and even some independent stuff after NXT. You can kind of tell she was still kind of getting her groove back, but it's the first time I've seen her in, in a while now, and she looks, you know, top of her game. She looks motivated again, mm -hmm. and I thought she had a, a good outing here with Jordan Grace. Yeah, I agree, and, you know, obviously, I, you know, uh, 
we're big fans here of Jordan Grace. Uh, she is, I mean, you don't get to wrestle in a posse with Scott Steiner unless you're not just just <laughs> super strong, right? You're, you know, yes. she is, I mean, she looks strong. Just every, every time she steps in the ring, she's in control of what she's doing. Uh, she's hitting hard. I mean, these are not like, you know, uh, late 90s era diva punches she's throwing, right? She is throwing huge forearms. The slams that she does are just, I mean, there was a, a sidewalk slam she did that I was just like, I, I, I would have believed it as a finisher. It, it hit that hard. <laughs> so, I, you know, like, I'm with you there, Sandy. Uh, I'm not great at star ratings, and I wouldn't start to try now, but I really enjoyed the match. I, you know, I, I really think, and we'll, I think we'll have this theme of the knockout division really being something positive that we talk about on this show. Mm-hmm. They have some of the best female wrestlers um, really in, in professional wrestling. And, you know, we didn't even get to see their champion wrestle tonight, Deanna Perrazzo, um, which, you know, in forthcoming episodes, we'll probably talk about her a little bit more and how I think she had a similar experience to Kimberly where she got real jazzed up, went over to NXT, and then wound up on main event, never won on TV. But here at Impact, you know, you can see they, they know what they have. And they're just kind of they're letting the talent express themselves and, and work the way that they want to work. Um, and I thought, you know, the everything down to the finish when when Jordan Grace puts in that headlock, Kimberly knows she's done. Like there's there's no hesitation. Get me out of this thing now. And she taps out immediately. And it was like super like I felt like no headlock has been more believable in women's wrestling than I've, that one I've seen from Jordan Grace. Because Jordan Grace could put me in the headlock, and I feel like I would have zero chance of getting out. <laughs> I will put a bet on that, too. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy, yeah. for your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, for the listeners that have never seen me, I'm a six foot one, 300-pound man, uh, and I'm terrified of Jordan Grace. On the record, <laughs> on this podcast, through your ear holes, I am terrified of her, and I would never, ever step in the ring or – Really, quite frankly, in a hallway, if it was just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, Jordan is one powerful chick, and yeah, definitely displayed her power here in this match. Um, the, the one little pet peeve I would say is overall in this situation. So, I'm kind of of the the old school mentality of like when you just sign somebody and you bring somebody new and you don't kind of beat them off the bat. And I know Kimberly, I think she has she's had some matches before with them, right? Before she was signed, but you know now she's signed and. Uh, but a tough situation because they're putting up against the number one contender. Jordan Grace is going to end up facing Deanna Prado next week on night one of Emergence. So obviously you don't want to beat the number one contender. And then also you have the new person too. And so it's kind of a tough position. So, but anyway, it's still a, you know, a nice short match of established Jordan as that, you know, dominant force in the knockout division and showing why she's getting a title shot again. Yeah. Big mama pump. I, I think is what she went by when she rolled with Scott Center. Right. So, I mean, she definitely, I mean, she's showing it right. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, she can wrestle every week, and I'll watch. I'll tune in, you know. <laughs> so, and Jeremy, I completely agree with what you just said. But to me, so I thought about that. I'm like, okay, they just signed her. They're, they're saying in commentary, great, she just signed a long-term deal with Impact, and now she's over here just losing right off the bat. They can't, they can't always win. As much as, you know, we want talent to see, hey, yeah, we want to see them out there and win, win, win. But I thought this was a really strong showing, even for Kimberly taking that loss. There was a lot of great back and forth. For any anyone who may not be familiar with her work, they were able to see, oh, she's 
she can hang in there with Jordan Grace. That's the number one contender. So I agree with that pet peeve because we see it so often, especially in, in you know, the, the, the big company, the big guys. Um, but <laughs> I thought it was still a, a, a great showing for, for both of them. And I, I was just, you should have, you guys should have seen me watching it. I was like, oh, yes, girl power, <laughs> Jordan lift her, throw her, yes. And that dive from Kimberly doing her, her swanton. Oh my gosh. I love seeing her do that. She, oh, I love these two. <laughs> I could yeah, do a million no. more things. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll actually see another, uh, we'll talk about another debut on impact uh, later that kind of goes through that same, uh, the same kind of pet peeve, Jeremy, that you talked about. Uh, but moving on, and this is the part of the show I cannot wait to talk about, and that is <laughs> Madison Rain's locker room talk. I can't even say it with a straight face. I, I, this segment was awful, and, and Sandy and I, we had this agreement when we decided to do this podcast. We are going to stay positive, and I'm going to say that positively – skip this segment if you haven't watched impact this week but i will say but no i will say i did i loved uh heath slater's uh little advertisement that he quote unquote paid for uh to try and uh get him signs to impact uh i thought that was kind of funny um and then you know he only paid for 30 seconds so of course they cut him off but you know if you want to get him to uh impact you can start tweeting with the hashtag heath for impact and that's the number four. <laughs> and he's, I love the part he runs out. He's like, hey, man, I still got kids. You know? <laughs> so like, I love but, it. I thought that was so clever. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I don't I – don't, it's obviously they used it as a vehicle to continue what RVD and Sammy Callahan are eventually going to have. The, uh, I, I assume a match probably at an emergence. It looks like shaping up probably week two because that week one card's uh, kind of full. Um, Sandy, did you have anything you wanted to add to uh, the discussion about locker room talk? So sticking to that positivity mindset, because I am all about that. Um, <laughs> I when Sammy Cal- so Jeremy, maybe you could give me a little bit more insight on this. Um, Sammy's kind of doing like the hacker situation, the ha- hacker gimmick thing that that was kind of teased over in NXT back when he when, when he was in there. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So, you know, I know pre-pandemic, you know, he was he had OVE with the, the Chris brothers. And I know one of the Chris brothers got involved in the speaking out uh, situation. He got uh, released from Impact. Oh. So when they came back and started doing shows, it kind of went with this whole different direction with Sammy. And it looks like they had a, a baby face turn with him. And now he's kind of doing or kind of a tweener turn. He, he kind of was in this, this rivalry with Ken Shamrock. And yeah, now it looks like he's doing the, the hacker gimmick again. Oh, okay. I thought that was really interesting. I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I remember this. This looks familiar. Um, so I thought that was cool. I mean, that he has a good, a good look for that specific gimmick. I, I'm not sure that it's really been su- super successful in the past, but I don't think he's been given enough time to kind of show it off. So maybe this time we'll be able to see more of that. Um, and also, I really did enjoy <laughs> when he did come, come out and then they started brawling with RVD. Did you see... She was wearing heels. Katie Force is wearing heels, and she is stomping <laughs> on Sammy Callahan. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, "Ouch! Oh my god, this looks like a real beatdown! Oh my god, could you imagine that heel on your stomach on your back?" <laughs> so I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, as a married man, I can, Sandy. Um, but you know, <laughs> but I actually thought that uh, Katie Forbes 
those those stomps were actually a little bit more believable than those uh, working punches that RVD was throwing. Um, you know, there was a time that I thought RVD was the coolest guy ever because who didn't think, oh, man, 420, right, when we were, like, teenagers? He's so cool. Like, he's so rebellious. He smokes pot and rustles. And now I'm just kind of like, man, you're, like, 50. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Rob, Rob Van Den doesn't do it uh, anymore for me. But for some people, I guess it does. Yeah, now we're, we're seeing, you know, you know, old man grumpy RVD. You know, he's <laughs> always been the smiling bay face. But now in his, you know, his old age, he's, you know, become a heel. He's grumpy now. He's got, you know, the hot, you know, Katie Forbes. And he's he's living his best life after his, you know, real life divorce. And, you know, he, he's living life right now and only caring about RVD. So it's, it's really weird seeing him. Uh, in, in his kind of heel role, and uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different for him. Yeah, it is, and, and you know, I don't know anybody that's had a, a real-life divorce and then decided to date two women at once. That doesn't really, I don't, you know, I guess one didn't work out, so go for two, I guess. <laughs> you know what's funny? Yes, he's a, a heel, and we're also used to that, that baby face, that crazy, athletic, and acrobatic um, RVD. But this doesn't feel forced to me. Like you guys said, he went through a real life divorce. Now he has a new smoking girlfriend. Who knows if this is a short term thing or a long term thing? We can't really estimate that on people's uh, personal lives. But it doesn't feel forced. You know, they are really dating. That is really what he's he's trying to live his best life. And you know, maybe he's a heel because some of us may want to be like that at fifty. Not all of us. Not all of us. <laughs> But um, it's, you can easily dislike it, but it doesn't feel forced. And I really – and I do enjoy that. I enjoy that very much. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about locker room talk more than I thought we would. But, you know, there is, some, <laughs> there is something there, right? I mean, obviously, this is part. they did the segment. Uh, I thought Madison Rain was funny. Like, she immediately is like, yeah, I'm out. You guys are just laying it on hot and heavy. I'm not going to stick around and watch you guys make out. See ya. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought it was funny. And I would say this, too, I, while, while I brought her up. I actually really like Madison Rain on commentary. I think she does a pretty good job of uh, kind of saying what's going on. Uh, Josh Matthews doesn't really do a whole lot for me, but Madison Rain, I, I enjoy on commentary quite a bit. I agree. I actually made sure to to note that on here, and I really enjoy. I enjoyed her and Josh together. I think they did. Uh, they're a good working team. You know, they have that that back and forth a little bit, and it didn't take away from the show to me. And I I enjoyed their their commentary. Yeah, a little brother yeah. sisterish. Well, the funny thing mm-hmm. is, they're they're actually they're married in real life, and so I'm sure you know that 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 chemistry works out perfectly. Obviously, being married, and so it's funny on on screen in kayfabe, they're not married, so they kind of pick right. at each other and kind of <laughs> you know jab, make jokes at each other. But also, you know, in real life, they're married, and so they have this great kind of back and forth chemistry. And yeah, I think I think they're a good team for right now. Yeah, and it's um I I like her on commentary a lot more uh, than than Don Callis uh, at Slammiversary. But that's in the past. We're moving forward. We're staying positive. So (laughs) (laughs) we have uh, next uh, another backstage segment uh, here. But this time we have uh, the Rascals. And uh, Trey Miguel comes out in the suicide mask and and kind of spooks Dez a little bit, who uh, is scheduled to have a match later on with suicide. And uh, Moose comes by and offers up a challenge uh, for his title to who he thinks is suicide. Um, but it's actually Trey Miguel on the mask. Um, I thought it was kind of a funny backstage thing. Uh, you know, you push the envelope a little bit sometimes cause suicide and, and Trey Miguel have a little bit different build. Um, and also he was wearing his rascals jacket. Um, <laughs> but you know, I thought it was kind of a, a cool kind of 
you know, push, push the, uh, push the limits of, you know, Moose is just not really paying attention. He's just ready to squash the next guy is kind of how I took it. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny too, just because like the suicide character has been played by so many different people. I know Christopher Daniels has played him. Chris Saban has played him. Uh, Frank Kazarian has played suicide. Like, so many different people have played suicide. So it's so funny that you just put the mask on and you're, and you're suicide. And so right. it, it kind of fits in with the history of the character as well, too. So that was funny. You transform. It's kind of like Sailor Moon. You know, they're, they look exactly the same. They have the same hair. All they did was change an outfit. Like, you can't recognize that? No. But I really, no, you guys, this segment, to me, I was, I, as a as a person that's just starting to watch Impact, really, and that's been mostly, you know, AWWE in Japan, this was so good. It was so easy flowing, so natural. I felt like I was watching, like, a legit TV show that I could mm. easily get invested to. I, I thought it was great. They did a, a great job. Yeah, no, I, and I think that we're seeing with these backstage segments, they feel more natural. And like Jeremy mentioned with Willie Mack at the top of the show – it doesn't feel scripted. It feels like, you know, hey, the rascals, they're hanging out, they're having fun, they're goofing around. There's obviously bullet points that they've pointed to that you have to hit, that this is where this story is going, but everything just feels natural. They're just being themselves. They're expressing their who they are through their art form, and, and I really like it. So um, the next segment is segment two of Russell House, and uh, this was the part that I, I thought was kind of funny is uh, A.C. Romero sitting on the couch eating popcorn. Um, and he, he says, hey, you know, the, the actress in this movie is pretty good. She reminds me a lot of the, the chick from Tank Girl, um, which is a callback to an extremely old movie that is not widely regarded as a very good movie. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was a good a good kind of thing. Uh, Larry D. is kind of, uh, you know, he's lost his mind a little bit, being kind of seduced by Rosemary, uh, which is a very strange thing. Um yeah, so the, the whole background there, so there's this weird little love triangle between Rosemary, Taya, and Johnny Bravo. Yes. And, and, and so, yeah, so Rose, Rosemary was trying to, you know, get Johnny Bravo's attention, so she made Larry D fall in love with her, so that way Johnny Bravo would be uh, jealous. Yeah, and it's and AC Romero is annoyed at this, that Larry D is not paying attention to the movie and what he's saying about the movie. Although, of course, what's great, too, is that we keep on getting these little snapshots of all the times uh, uh, Taya does her uh, Road to Valhalla uh, finisher. And we just keep, keep seeing it over and over and over again to different wrestlers. And, you know, l- listen, Taya's, I mean, world class. She's an excellent wrestler. Uh, and I'll see I'll watch clips of her mixed into the show as, as much as they want to throw them at me. Um, but then, you know, we we get Tommy Dreamer popping up out of nowhere uh, to, I guess, I and this is maybe for those of you that have watched Russell House from the inception. Uh, I guess when Tommy Dreamer pops up, there's going to be a match. Um, and I thought, you know, he, he makes a, a funny line about, hey, listen, this is the only way I get TV time this week. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to say to listen, Tommy Dreamer, I don't know how he's still alive. I don't know how his brain still functions. I don't know how he can still walk. But God bless the man, because he is still out there working his ass off as much as he can. Uh, at Slammiversary, we saw him get slammed into tax, um, which oh. I don't need to see ever. I'm not a big <laughs> tax fan. Um, shout out to uh, to Mankind. 
but I just uh, Tommy Dreamer, you know, one of the one of the all time greats, and obviously he's not uh, not afraid to kind of make you know poke fun at himself. Um, but then we get a match between AC Romero and Larry D. I've never seen these two guys work. This is my first time seeing either one of them. Um, it, did, it didn't really strike my fancy, but it's two big guys just throwing punches, doing what they can. I mean, they moved pretty well for their size. Um, you know, and, and it was kind of a cool that they everyone in the house kind of goes outside to the ring that's at the house. I thought it was kind of a cool little setup there. Um, but what did you guys think of the match, uh, Sandy? So what was what was the name of the of the wrestler with the with the trunks? The big guy. Uh, AC Romero. AC Romero. Yeah. Pretty pretty agile. He did a God, what was it? it wasn't a drop kick. He only he kind of went up in the air, but he got pretty high because the other guy's very tall. So when I was watching him, I was like, oh okay, he he can go, he can go. It was a very short match, uh, unfortunately, but I think it was it was actually the perfect length for for what the story is trying to tell. They don't they're they're tag team partners if I'm not mistaken, right, Jeremy? Right, yeah, tag team. They're I think there's triple XL. I think they're tag team name. Oh, okay, perfect. So what the the story there was perfect. They kind of just got into a disagreement. It was going to be a, a simple a simple little match. It's not going to be uh, a barn burner. You know, they have no no feud. It's just hey, we're in a disagreement. Let's let's pass <coughs> this out real quick. Um, but I thought AC, damn it. AC Romero? Yeah. Why do I? Why am I not remembering that? I thought he looked great in there. I was like, oh man, this this big guy can jump. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of AC Romero. So I saw AC for the first time two years ago, uh, All In Weekend. Um, Josh Number One and I, we went to Chicago All In Weekend. We went to um, AAW, which is one of the top indies in the Midwest. And that was the first time I saw AC Romero, and he was out there doing suicide dives and planchas and like drop. What? Yeah, for this big guy. I'll have to show you guys. I have, I have some videos on my phone. I'll have to show you guys. But yeah, AC yeah. super yeah. athletic. And he's actually been losing a lot of weight now and trying to get in better shape. And yeah, he's a really talented guy. And like you mentioned, this match obviously wasn't designed to really get him over or show what he could really do. It was just a smallest agreement they had based on the whole Russell House uh, scenario. But when AC can go, he can go. And so hopefully, you know, as we, as you guys review Impact, though, you'll get to see more of AC and what he can really do. I hope so. I hope so. Like yeah, it's a very too. short match, and even with that, I was able to say, okay, this guy can go. Yeah, and I was gonna bring up too, Jeremy. That I mean, he's he's been documenting. I think he's lost like a hundred pounds. Yeah, like, oh, he is significantly awesome. smaller than he was. And you know, as a fellow big man, I'm not that big. I I don't know how he does what he does. Um, but for his long term health and and safety, I'm glad that he's kind of made that decision to kind of go that direction. Um, and you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to to watching a triple XL match uh, here in the near future. <clears throat> and then uh, we get a, a nice little promo vignette from Deanna Peraza, who is your Impact women, uh, Knockouts champion. I almost said women's champion, but they do call them the Knockout champion. Um, I love Deanna Peraza. She is a very nice person uh, outside of kayfabe. I think she's a great worker. Um, I have a picture of her holding my son at an NXT house show um, that, he still, that he still talks about. He's four. Um, and he still so says, hey, you remember that time that the wrestler lady picked me up? Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I know. I wish I could have switched spots with you. But, you know, <laughs> see, I, I am very happy to see her wrestling. And I'm happy to see her 
in a place where she can be the virtuosa that we know and that we got to see prior to going to NXT. Um, I, I'm excited to see her wrestle Jordan Grace again. That was one of my favorite matches from Slammiversary. Um, I, I encourage everyone, if you miss Slammiversary, go back and watch that one if you watch nothing else from that show. Um, I, I I don't have much else to say. I, I really think that she's really great. And her being on Impact, I think, really raises the, the bar quite a bit uh, for that entire division. Yeah, really excited to see Deanna here. Good promo, challenging Jordan to a, a 30-minute uh, knockouts Iron Man match at Emergence. And that's like first ever Iron, women's Iron Man match, correct? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yep, first ever uh, women's Iron Man match in um, or knockouts, is knockout division, knockout. Uh, in, yeah. in Impact history, yeah. Wow. And like, like we've been saying with a lot of talent, Deanna Prazo, another one of these women, I've seen her in Ring of Honor before. She's an NXT, and she's one of the, again, top independent women goes to NXT, kind of the same story as Kimberly. They they sign her just to sign her, and there's not really a lot of... Even NXT, there's not plans for her. They tried doing something with her every once in a while, and they'll like put her on TV, take her off, and then she got called to the main roster at one point, and it was just kind of all over the place. And so, yeah, I'm glad that uh, she's an impact. They're giving her a platform, and she's getting to do uh, what she's good at. I agree 100%. I think it's, it's, it's very hard to not like and not enjoy uh, Deanna Parasso. She's just so technically efficient. She's clean and crisp in the ring. Everything she does, I feel she does with a purpose. Uh, she's very hard-hitting. She's very technical. I have no idea how NXT could, and WWE could possibly miss on this, on this woman. Um, it just really makes you question, like, what, what are they looking for? What do they need in order to make someone succeed? They have so much talent. You see that with Kimberly and now... Um, Eric Young, EC3, oh my gosh. And now Deanna Parasso. It's, it's really unbelievable, and I'm very happy to see her um, and also jump up straight to the, to the, top, of the, uh, to the top of the division as a, as a champion already. Pretty impressive. I do have to go back and watch her match with Jordan Grace at uh, anniversary. Very excited to see their, uh, the rematch at Emergence. Yeah, no, and you know, when you talk about a lot of the times, right, in, in recent days especially, WWE, like Jeremy mentioned, they go out, they sign someone, they don't have plans for them. And then I think what you see, unfortunately, and this may be me reading into it too much, but I think WWE still has this issue where they're not going to push a female wrestler unless they think that she has the look. And the look oftentimes is flat stomachs, super muscular tone, not overly strong, unless you're push that to that Nia Jax size where you're this big monster, you know, that they can throw out there as a monster heel for the women's division. So I think, you know, you see people like Deanna Peraza, you saw Kimberly that was there that, you know, don't have these perfect, you know, uh, magazine cover Mandy Rose kind of looking uh, thing going on. And I think it's why, you know, the signing the bills of the world, even though they have the body, they don't have the, the blonde hair and the, the, you know, the cover girl look. Right. And so, I think if WWE could push past that and really look at what talent they have in that locker room and really push those top stars based on their work, the way they do the men, um, I, you know, I, I think they can get past that roadblock. But there's so many women in NXT right now. I, I wouldn't even know who to drop down, who to, you know, who to push, who to. I mean, that's their problem that they got to figure out. 
All right, moving on. We got the no DQ tag team match. And I use the term uh, tag team loosely. It was not really tagging going on. Um, although there was some <laughs> confusion. I, I, I At one point, Havoc was standing on the ringside waiting for a tag, and I didn't understand that. Uh, but it's between uh, Havoc and Nevea uh, teaming together. They've been doing. They've been kind of a, a partnership here for a while. Uh, versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. And uh, you know, I thought this was a fun little match. I thought it was interesting the way that uh, right off the jump, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles are like they're introduced first, and then they go off the side of the stage, as if the other team is not in the gorilla position watching them do that. <laughs> but, but, but you know, and. and I don't know why Tasha Steels came out with like steel salad tongs. Um, I was trying to figure that out. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but you know, I thought it was actually. I mean, there's a lot of really fun spots. I, I enjoyed the match a little bit here. Tasha Steels was in catering and just said, "Oh, it's a music cue. Let me just grab this here real quick. I'll borrow it. Bring it right back. Got to get my hands on something. Hey, I would have done the same. Let me grab this traffic cone real quick and just." <laughs> everything goes yeah exactly it you know what i i like about a lot of these no dq matches that we see here in impact as they they go back and they do like the street signs like we used to watch and used to use like in the old uh, wcw in 64 video games this will be a theme that you know that we talk about here um you used to go and you'd build pull out this giant ass stop sign from underneath the ring and you just crank someone over the head with like a four times the size of a normal stop sign stop sign um, and that's what yeah. Nevaeh at one point grabs a handicap uh, parking uh, sign and just starts swinging it at everybody. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was a too. real fun match here between uh, these two teams here. Yeah, a lot of you know cool spots like you mentioned. Um, they built to the the big table spot mm-hmm. where they eventually got uh, Jessica Havoc on the table. And that was that was their whole game plan pretty much for the whole match was to kind of isolate Jessica Havoc. She's the you know, the bigger, stronger one of the team and isolate her, get her out of the ring, and then they would double team on Nevaeh, and then eventually they got Havoc through the table, and then they were able to kind of uh, finish off Nevaeh. Hogan and Steeles, I thought, did a superb job in keeping Havoc uh, at bay to get the upper hand. That was pretty, like you mentioned, that was the story for throughout the entire match. Um, I Like Josh, like you mentioned earlier, um, when Havoc finally got um, Tasha Steeles off of her and she got on the ring apron waiting for the tag, that was kind of confusing because, you know, Hogan and Steels were not abiding by that whatsoever, which makes sense. It's a no DQ. So why right. are you going to play by the rules and try to wait for attack? So um, that was the only part I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Get, get, get back, get in there. <laughs> but I thought it was a very fun match. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. And I thought, you know, with the table spot, uh, there was a point where Tasha Steels puts the sleeper uh, on Havoc while being on her back. And I thought, oh, man, she's going to sacrifice herself and just crank through this table and have yeah, Havoc like crash her. I, dude, they set that up like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst bump ever. And then she, like, slides off, gives her the kick to the leg, and then, you know, Kara Hogan's able to kind of finish the job there. Um, Kara Hogan gets the uh, the pin after Tasha Steeles gets hit with that handicap uh, parking sign uh, from Nevaeh. And then uh, does a bridging uh, fisherman's uh, neckbreaker, uh, which is, I thought, a pretty good – Pretty good finish. Kira Hogan, I've seen her wrestle before. Um, she had a couple of really good spots in the what they call the gauntlet match at Slammiversary. It was more of a uh, one-by-one battle royal kind of thing. Um, but 
she's really good. I, I, I enjoy her matches. Tasha Steeles, I think, is someone that's going to come up this division um, and really make a name for herself. She seems to have, you know, a lot of really good natural ability. Um, and, you know, Havoc and Nevaeh, they're, they're both going to play that, that kind of monster heel uh, kind of role as a faction. You know, I, I mean, the match worked for me. I, I liked it. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then, uh, you know, we get to the alluded to match between Suicide and Dez. Um, and they start going. Sandy, you were excited for this match. Jeremy, you were excited for this match. I was ready for this match. And then... Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> I was so devastated when I heard the music <laughs> of the Good Brothers. <laughs> Doc Gallows, Carl too. Anderson. I mean, listen, if you're trying to get heat, that wor- that's how you do it. Um, nailed it. They, they, I mean, they got heat with me for busting up that match. And they were supposed to, they were supposed to have a match, uh, a tag match with Ace Austin and um, Madman Fulton. And, uh, Madman Fulton, and I think that would actually be a pretty fun match. I'm a huge fan of Ace Austin. Uh, I think he can really go. I really enjoyed him in the Slammiversary Championship match. Um, but man, I. I don't know. I, w- I was kind of hoping that we wouldn't see uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson uh, too much in Impact. Um, but since, you know, New Japan's not letting people over because Japan's not letting people from the United States over, I think we're going to be stuck with the Good Brothers for a good long time here. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe they'll surprise me. Carl Anderson obviously has a, a pretty storied career um, over in Japan. Uh, Jeremy, you've watched a lot of Carl Anderson is is Carl Anderson still someone you think that we can kind of get excited about seeing in the ring at some point here? Yeah, Carl Anderson, um, you know, had a really good uh, singles run in New Japan. Um, first guys in to make it to the G1 finals uh, against Kazuchika Okada. Um, you know, Gato saw a lot in uh, Carl Anderson and w- told people, you know, Carl's going to be his future star. But, you know, eventually he went to WWE with uh, Gals and AJ in 2016. And so... You know, it's hard. We really haven't seen him in a singles role. He's kind of been in, in the tag role of the Good Brothers for a while now, so we haven't really been able to see what he can do. Because in on you know on Raw and SmackDown, whenever he did have a singles match, it was pretty much a squash, putting over whoever like AJ was going against or whoever they were pushing at the time. So, you know, he's he's in great shape, and I think you know, given the right opponent, I think he can still have great matches. Yeah, and I think he. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is actually still has the record for the longest uh, time as a tag team title holder uh, with Matt Bloom. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sandy, what are your thoughts on the Good Brothers here? I am excited to see them work again and not be jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> a couple I of nerds. I, oh, my gosh. don't I did not enjoy that. But... <laughs> Yeah, they won the the championships in WWE, but did it really mean anything? No. Um, so I'm excited to see them be be those guys that that they are deep down, you know, just tough and angry and that attitude. I think it's I think it's it's something that's going to really um, make a positive impact in the in the tag team division. Though I do not appreciate it when they interrupt uh, what could have been a great X division match. Not happy about that, like we, like all of us. But I'm excited to see them. Yeah, it's definitely um, 
it's kind of weird because you know right now their their faces you know Dez and Suicide are faces so you had two faces facing each other getting interrupted by two faces and so it's just kind of a weird dynamic and you would think that would be something you know heels would do come out interrupt this exhibition match and you know it, it felt very WWE-ish like when the Outsiders would come out and beat up Rey Mysterio and all the cruiserweights mm-hmm. so I really I really didn't like that kind of feel especially with the Gorillas kind of being the, the, the top fate, one of the top face tag teams, and they're feuding with, you know, the heels and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. But, um, you know, it did lead to a good promo and kind of set up the, the angle for Good Brothers against uh, Austin and Fulton at Emergence. That's yeah. a good point, Jeremy, because I wasn't too sure of who who was what. You know, like, jumping into the product, you, you're kind of still, okay, this person face, this person heel, what's this person doing? You kind of get to figure things out. Um I figured there were faces, but yeah, that was a very heelish thing that it did. Like, why would you go out there and interrupt two other men trying to work? Um, so that's a, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, wow, now I have some more more to think about. But I am excited to see them against uh, what is his name, Ace Austin. Yep, Ace Austin and uh, yeah. Madman Fulton. Not familiar with Ace Ace Austin, but he did a great job with the promo. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, that was a great. I I I thought that was a really good uh, pre-tape. I mean, they like we've been talking about everything they did behind the you know outside of the ring. It it really clicked for me this week. I I really liked it quite a bit. Um, Ace Austin is obviously a guy that can talk, and yeah, you know, he's getting a lot of reps. Um, he's he's definitely I think someone that we'll see in the next year or two really be at the top of the card. Uh, pushing, I mean, he was in the uh, elimination match at Slammiversary for the Impact Championship. I think he's going to stick uh, right at the top of the card. You know, he's very talented. Um, he's a guy, guys like him, Chris Bay, um, some of these X Division guys, I, I really think have a really bright future. Um, and I hope they kind of stick around in Impact and, and get to really build up and get some good matches and great, you know, bodies of work going here, um, you know, before they you know, at some point get offered a paycheck because WWE offers everyone a paycheck and I can't knock mm-hmm. anyone for, I can't knock anyone for taking it. So, um, we have what I alluded to earlier in this text thing, which is the impact flashback moment of the week, which is, Ooh. um, uh, Eddie Edwards, uh, defending against, uh, the world heavyweight championship against Cody Rhodes. And we get to see dun, dun, about dun. A, a brief uh, five-minute clip here of Cody Rhodes losing his bid for the championship here. I thought that was kind of a nice little uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek here to kind of just be like, "Hey, look, we know we know on the uh, you know on the actual uh, cable channel that everyone gets, not you know whatever channel Impact is on. I don't know. I I watch it on Fight two days later. Um, but I thought it was kind of funny just to kind of like poke poke a little rib, like, "Hey, you never got our championship, buddy." Right, you know, or you didn't, you didn't get it here, right? So I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty clever uh, use there. I completely agree. I thought so too, and I really enjoyed that that little that little feature that they have. I guess here's, hey, we've had some great matches. We've had some great talent come through our doors. This is why we're still around. We are able to put a great product out there of entertainment and pro wrestling. And here is a clip to show you, to remind you of that. And I thought that was really clever. I enjoyed that. But it was funny that it was Cody Rhodes. Like, hey, this guy, he, he loses sometimes too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Something we have not seen in a while. 
<laughs> not for a long time. And I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. Yeah, I like these little flashback segments, especially for new fans jumping in and kind of see uh, some older matches and just some you know other programs. You know, Eddie Edwards was completely different than he did, you know, in 2016. And so just getting an idea of what his character used to be like and his look and his, his first world title run. So, yeah, yeah, a good little moment here. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think, too, a lot of these flashback scenes, they show the uh, the crazy-ass eight-sided ring. And, you know, it, you know it's I, – I, you know, I've heard uh, Christian uh, talk about it before, how it's such a weird ring to wrestle in, and it's a weird ring to watch, um, but that is part of, you know, what made TNA and, and Impact kind of a different product, is that they would throw that ring out there sometimes, and it made for some really cool matches. Uh, you know, we watched, a, I think, an X Division Championship match together a few weeks, maybe for a few months now. You know, quarantine time is, is kind of a, a passing thing, uh, Jeremy, but, you know, I, that was, you know, you got to see Xavier Woods back in the day uh, in there yeah. and, you know, diving through the, uh, the big ring there. And, you know, I, I, I like the impact flashback segments and, you know, like we talked about earlier, maybe Sandy, we might have to go and do a flashback episode of this at some point. Um, yes. but really, really cool segment. I agree. And uh, we get segment number three here of, of uh, Russell house. They're really leaning on this thing, but like I said, it's super entertaining um, I really enjoy it. They they had this joke going on uh, that Alicia had told Susie, "Hey, if you get nervous, just uh, you know, tell them you got the runs." And uh, Susie uses that. I mean, she probably says, "I have the runs." Between the three segments, I don't know, a dozen times. Um, <laughs> and it, for me, it didn't get old, but that's because you know I watch children's television constantly and. Uh, with my two kids. So that's the kind of humor that appeals to me. Um, but then eventually it leads to uh, the culmination of, of the date not going well. And then Susie blaming Alicia for giving her bad advice. And as we saw earlier, when there's a disagreement between two people, it's time to call on Mr. Tommy Dreamer. And, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> and Tommy, I absolutely adore that. Oh, it, it's like I said earlier, Anytime uh, I see Tommy Dreamer working, it puts a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the best things that I, I've ever seen, um, wrestling related, and, and this is something you can go back if you're a WWE Network subscriber. The Edge and Christian show uh, that totally brings of awesomeness. They had an, a Goonies spoof uh, episode, and Tommy they just they lied into Tommy Dreamer, and he just kind of takes it. Um, and he, he does the, Hey, you guys. And, and I mean, it's just, you go back and watch it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, Tommy dreamer is not afraid to make fun of himself. Um, but you know, so he announces the match here between Susie and Alicia. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of notes on it. I know they've worked better matches than what they put out, out there and, you know, just kind of to go out there and squash, um, the kind of you know minor beef they had and, and Susie the whole time is yelling, uh, you gave bad advice before she throws a lariat. Uh, then uh, I have to call this out, Jeremy. You know the spot I'm talking about. It's the James Boyd lariat spot of the match uh, where they <laughs> they both go for the clothesline um, for the 50-50 moment and they're both down the mat. Um, and Sandy, you might not be familiar with the James Boyd spot. But uh, shout out to James Boyd of, of uh, One Nation Radio. Mm -hmm. 
every time uh, in a match, there's a 50, 50, uh, both wrestlers kick each other at the same time, headbutt each other at the same time, uh, do a clothesline to add each other at the same time. Uh, we call that the James Boyd spot. Um, and when we watch uh, wrestling as a group, uh, all eight of us, nine of us in the room, as soon as it happens, we'll just yell out James Boyd. And so that's a little bit, uh, a little bit, of, yeah, we call it that. A little bit of inside baseball uh, for the listeners there. Um, if you see a 50-50 spot, just know that James Boyd uh, is not happy about it. But <laughs> anything uh, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about from the match uh, before we get to the post-match uh, tease? Nope, yeah. I am good. Yeah, not much here. I mean, with these Wrestle House matches, you know, they're kind of just short and something to kind of break up the action from into the arena. So I'm not expecting a whole lot, you know, you know, star rating no. match quality wise. You know, just little stories to kind of break up the monotony of the the empty arena. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so I'm excited though for the Wrestle House match they teased for for emergence, and that is Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray, and Taya, and listen, they got a little bit of a a little bit of a preview of that. Uh, with Slammiversary's uh, gauntlet match that Kylie Ray won. So she is technically the number one contender, even though Jordan Grace gets the match against Deanna Peraza because of her rematch clause. Uh, Kylie Ray, fantastic worker. Uh, Taya, I mean, if you if you want to watch some good Taya stuff, uh, go back and watch her matches with Tessa Blanchard on uh, AAA's uh, YouTube channel. You can get, you can watch, I mean, you can get lost watching Taya matches for, I mean, always, just hours. Um, but I'm really excited for that match. That might be the match I'm most excited about from night one of Emergence. And we'll, t- we'll give a little preview of Emergence night one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Sandy, chat me up a little bit about your uh, your love for Kylie Ray here. She's so cute. <laughs> Not only that, I think she's a tremendous worker. Um, God, how can you – another one of those. Like, how can you dis – you could never dislike her. She – Oh, I almost just compared it to John Cena, but I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Let me not do that. Uh, she's just so unrecognizable, <laughs> and oh, she looks great out there. I have such a girl crush on her. Her S, her, her finish. Um, what does she name it? Smile to the finish. What a name. That just, I love her. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. I and and. She appeared uh, in AEW, is that right, Jeremy? And then, do, do you have kind of some inside baseball as to kind of how she wound up at Impact when it looked everything was pointing towards her going to AEW? Yeah, so actually, she was one of the the first women to sign to AEW, and she was featured on the Double or Nothing pay per view. And there was a lot of backstage talk. There was a lot of plans to kind of push her as one of the top faces of their women's division. Um, and then sometime before, I believe it was before all, all out and before they got on, uh, she like mysteriously disappeared and then um, it ended up coming out that she got released. And so, and it was not a, a lot of really background on why she got released and kind of what the story was there. And, you know, nobody's really dug up the history on what, what happened there. Um, but apparently I think it might have something to do just maybe with her mental health and just kind of the state she was in during that time, because she has no ill feelings towards AEW. She says nothing negative about AEW. Um, but, yeah, she just needed to step away from wrestling for whatever reason. And so, yeah, it seemed like she was kind of done wrestling, and then um, she started wrestling again in, in Chicago Indies um, and then eventually came to Impact. 
Yeah, and, and and I, you know, you bring up the mental health thing. I do see a lot of times on Twitter she will advocate for mental health and saying, "Hey, man, you know, sometimes people just people just need to to breathe. They need to get step back." Um, you know, uh, and and I think that's a good message for everyone, and not just people in professional wrestling. But you know, hey, listen, if you're if you're not in the right mindset, if you're not if your head's not there, take a step back. It's totally cool to do that. Get yourself correct. You know. Talk to talk to whoever you need to talk to, and and you know, if you have anything like that, you know, definitely make sure that you, you talk to uh, somebody, you know, a close friend, relative, uh, professional in the metal in the mental health space. Um, you know, I guess that's my little PSA there, but it, it is super important, um, especially you know for someone that plays a character that is super smiley, super bubbly, you know, that's you know it's important that if you're gonna put that face on, they I think you have to at some point backstage get yourself that way too i absolutely agree you guys i really i'm really excited to see her she looks she looks great um hopefully that time off was able to kind of get her refreshed and in a new mindset and i just wish nothing but the best for her (laughs) i like tears of joy that she's wrestling again (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't think you're the only one with a crush here uh sandy uh on kylie ray i think that's a popular internet opinion yep uh, yeah <laughs> and and listen she looks completely shredded right now like her i mean i her. i think i could do laundry on her abs i mean there's a that's a washboard <laughs> if i ever saw one. Oh my gosh her abs are out of this world yeah i mean like i said i'm really excited for that match um then you know after that they had a brief preview of the emergence card. We'll flip out. We'll come back to the emergence card uh, and do a quick preview. But first, we got to talk about uh, the Impact World Title uh, defense, which was an open challenge. There was rumblings that it was going to be Eric Young, um, but you know, even Madison Young was like telling Josh Matthews, "Like, what are you stupid? He already wrestled tonight. He's not going to come out again." He said, "Well, you know, he's kind of a maniac, so he might wrestle twice in one night." Uh, and so I, I actually legitimately thought he would. Um, and then, you know, Eddie uh, Edwards kind of comes out and he kind of pushes that narrative, cuts a pretty good promo calling out Eric Young. And then we get a surprise and maybe not the biggest surprise uh, in the world because they've been teasing his arrival. Um, but it's Brian Myers, uh, who we all know and maybe love as Kurt Hawkins, the, uh, the lovable jobber that lost uh, how many matches like 220 or something in a row yeah something like uh, that. <laughs> in, in wwe oh, before okay. before <laughs> before tv up with matt cardona um brian myers uh super technical wrestler runs a wrestling school up there in long island uh oh. he's he's someone that i think deserves a lot better in his time in wwe as, as you can see this is a theme on the show um <laughs> but you know i i was pleasantly surprised by this match yeah, Brian Myers. Awesome. Yeah, Brian Myers is one of those guys. He's he's really underrated, and I think part of it, like you mentioned, is because of the role he was in in WWE and both of his runs there. Of this kind of this kind of underneath job guy, um, but you know he does have that school in, in um, that Long Island area. He actually trained MJF, and um, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's he, he's a guy that kind of has a basic kind of solid you know fundamentals of wrestling, and then Eddie Edwards is just amazing. Um, I think most fans probably know Eddie for his tag team work with the American Wolves with David Richards in a uh, ring of honor. They had a lot of great matches with the Bucks and the Briscoes and all that stuff. 
But uh, Eddie's really broken out as a singles guy, and yeah, he's another solid worker. So yeah, it's a, a really solid matchup here. I was I was very excited, Brian Brian Myers. He such a technical. I I just can't believe he what what's happened to him in, in WWE. He is one of those talents where everything he does is precise. It's clean. It's hard hitting. He's he's very smart in there. He's very technical. I mean, every every checklist that you could possibly think of for what makes a, a great pro wrestler, he checks off easily. Um, and it's just a shame that he wasn't able to showcase that for that wider audience. But very excited to see him uh, at, in Impact. This was such a great match. I'm, I'm not too familiar with Eddie Edwards as a singles wrestler. Like you mentioned, Jeremy, I am familiar with his work uh, as a tag team, but never really seen him in this kind of role before. And I actually was not even aware that he was the, the world champion. So I was kind of surprised but after you know the more and more the match kept going i'm like okay it makes sense what he's what he's the champion that that was a an amazing match um i was very excited to watch this yeah i mean go ahead tara jeremy i was gonna say this is the one time where i i didn't mind the new guy coming and losing because obviously it was it's a world title match and you know it's a former WWE guy especially being on WWE TV as a jobber, it, it would look really bad, obviously, if you have a jobber coming in and beating your world champion. Um, so here, here's one of the instances where I didn't mind that the new guy came in and lose. Um, he still had, you know, got 50-50 shot against the champ, still looked good, but obviously we got to keep the champ strong here. Yeah, I thought, you know, great hard-hitting match. Uh, there was a, a, a suicide dive to the outside that Eddie Edwards hit that was pretty aggressive. Uh, and it actually looked like, you know, he might have actually banged up his knee a little bit. They worked that in the match some. Um, but, I mean, both guys, super talented. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not super familiar with Eddie Edwards. I'm more familiar with Brian Myers. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. And I don't believe that Brian Myers is officially signed at Impact. I think he's on a, a match-by-match kind of appearance thing, similar to like what Matt Cardona is working on in AEW. Um, and then I, you know, there's some other guys that are kind of floating around that way. Obviously, I don't, I don't think Heath is signed to Impact officially. I know there's that kind of that whole, uh, he had to wrestle Moose and beat Moose to get in, uh, and he lost, um, which we're used to seeing Heath lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brian Myers, you know, great match. Eddie Edwards, uh, of course, uh, finishes him off with the Boston knee party, um, what I'm a, a name for a finishing move. <laughs> oh, I was like, and, what is he saying? Boston knee party? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a sucker for anything Boston related. Uh, really, truthfully, uh, my dad's from East Boston. Uh, my house was Red Sox baseball. I mean, through and through. So anytime I can see a, you know, a, a Boston guy, um, not necessarily uh, John Cena that we mentioned before. I do like John Cena, but you know, I don't really associate him with Boston, oh. but, um, <laughs> but Eddie Edwards, I mean, he's the Boston tough guy, Boston knee party. Like you said, Sandy, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know that there's a better name for a finisher. And every time he hits it, it just feels devastating. I, I mean, he, the guy, the guy knows what he can do and he does it well. That's a new guy, Josh. You got to watch more than we both do. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm going to load up some matches here on the, uh, on the old uh, tube of views. Yeah, definitely check out some of Eddie's uh, old work, especially his, his first uh, world title run. It'll be definitely a good stuff to check out. And, you know, I thought Brian Myers, you know, kind of to compare him to his tag partner, Matt Cardona, 
I thought Brian Myers did a better job of kind of coming off well in this, you know, kind of breaking out the WWE, you know, kind of stink off himself and did look really well. As far as, you know, Matt Cardona, I thought he was just kind of fine. He didn't really do anything to stand out. And I feel like Brian Myers kind of stood out here. And you could kind of see, yeah. it could be more believable that he, he could actually be moved up the card. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, agree can we there, also Jeremy. discuss for like a second how jacked Matt, Matt Cardona, my accent's coming out. I may not be able to say his name exactly right, but <laughs> how jacked he looks on AEW. <gasps> I was blown away. I was like, okay, he's been away from, from WWE. When, when did the, when did the, the max, the exodus happen? That was only a few months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that the was layoff? like uh, April, wasn't it? Like, like after Mania, I think. Yeah, like I mentioned before, yeah, quarantine it? time is is playing tricks on me. It feels like months. Oh it feels like years. I I mean, but it could have been yesterday. I mean, truthfully, I and I would still feel like it was six months ago. But True. you know, Jack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he looks great. Uh, Brian Myers looks great. A lot of these old WWE guys look great. They look in better shape than they've ever been in. Um, I I'm I'm absolutely loving what i'm seeing uh out of those guys so with that i mean that was the uh, a great sign off um for impact which means that you know eddie edwards oh so sorry josh no 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 i i go go ahead give your overall consensus overall consensus impact has got it going on right now i am excited to keep watching i don't think there was anything on here that was like oh what is that cringe i enjoyed 99.9% 99.9% of the show. Very excited to be uh, to be able to watch every week and discuss every week with you guys. Jeremy? Yeah, overall, yeah. Yeah, really fun show. You know, I've really, you know, Impact really caught my attention uh, last couple of weeks. You know, we're bringing back the Motor City Machine Guns and them winning the titles from the North. And so, yeah, definitely keeping up with Impact now. And, yeah, it was a fun show. Fun, fun easy watch, you know, hour and 25 minutes if you're watching the fight TV version with no commercials and yeah, it was pretty easy watch. You know, the wrestling was pretty solid. The promos were good. Advanced some stories that got you hyped up for emergence. The, the, the two week special that's coming up. Yeah. And you know, and I like this kind of going into emergence, right? This was a great kind of a go home show for that. They set up what was going to be happening on the next card, um, which a lot of times, uh, that uh, company that rhymes with Schmelschmeschling Entertainment doesn't do a great job uh, building th- towards their pay-per-view cards. Um, I thought Impact Impact has me excited to watch, even though it's a you know back-to-back Tuesday nights. Pretty excited to watch what is going to be a pay-per-view level card. Um, I, you know, the like I'm with you there, Sandy. I didn't at no point watching this show did I go. Man, I'm I, this. If I was watching it on TV right now, I'd change the channel. And a lot of wrestling programming today has those moments. So, I mean, if Impact can give you an hour and a half of content that doesn't make you want to change the channel, there's no excuse for these other companies to be still putting out garbage. I, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. Impact's not running on the same budgets. They're not making the same amount of money, and they don't have the size of roster that these other companies have and mainly just one company that I'm talking about, uh, there's no excuse uh, really to, to not put out 90 minutes of really fun wrestling programming. Um, but hey, you know, maybe I'm wrong. So, no, I think I that, that could be a, a general, yeah. 
I know yeah, it's, it's yeah. a strong opinion, but I think it's one that that a lot of people could could agree with for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe you know what? Uh, tweet at us at Eight Bit Suplex on Twitter uh, and tell me if I'm wrong or right. And if you tell me I'm wrong, don't worry, I get told that every day by my wife. So <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh no. My my wife is great. She's a fantastic woman and a fantastic mother and a fantastic wife. And anything I say and in fantastic just. Baker. Yes, uh, Jeremy has had my, my my wife went to pastry school, and uh, she she does make a uh, a recipe of her own creation, uh, chocolate chip oh. cookies uh, that will n- taste nothing like any other chocolate chip cookie you've ever had. And they were. Yeah, they, they, they might be, it might be a reason why I am now heavier than I ever have been in my life. Being, <laughs> being we're, we're coming up on seven years of marriage um, and having two kids. So, oh, so you know, that's um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll hit we'll hit seven years in November, but I think we can count it as ten because I mean, quarantine years. You know, <laughs> that's three. That's got to be like three or four and one. But you know, it's not well. Maybe I don't want to claim that because the tenth anniversary gift I think is more important than the seventh anniversary gift. Um, but you know, what, there's a lot of pressure on that, that, that 10th anniversary gift. I got to start playing that out now. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me. Um, but you know, but yeah, uh, if you're ever, uh, in Tampa and it's not coronavirus season and you want a good chocolate chip cookie, let me know. I'll see if my wife will make you some. Um, I'm, I'm taking you up on that offer right now. <laughs> but listen, uh, my, my wife does love Sandy, uh, they play Animal Crossing together. Um, Animal it, Crossing! Right, yeah. Because <laughs> remember, this is also a video game podcast. We'll talk about Animal Crossing later in the show. Um, yeah, I mean, check it out. Cookies, they're awesome. Uh, and what also is awesome is this. Uh, I'm looking at the official night one match card for Emergence here. Um, like I said, uh, Eddie Edwards, after defeating Brian Myers, means that he is now defending in his open challenge night one of the impact uh, with the impact world championship. Um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. It's probably going to be Eric young. Um, but you know what? It could be, I don't know. It could be Heath. I, you know, they, they might throw a curveball on there uh, for night one, maybe night two, we get Eric young uh, and Eddie Edwards. Uh, but you know, I, I'm excited to watch another Eddie Edwards uh, championship defense. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, it might be a better open challenge than what's on uh, one of the other channels. (laughs) (laughs) Don't at me, Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we got we mentioned earlier the Good Brothers uh, versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton Uh, should be a real uh, slobber knocker there. Um, Impact X Division Championship. This one really caught my eye here. Um, because Chris Bay, uh, who is the current X division champion, uh, he's phenomenal. He's wrestling against, uh, it's a triple threat match that he was talked into. And I didn't, we didn't mention it earlier, uh, on here, uh, in a backstage segment by, uh, Rahit Raju, uh, to make it a triple threat match with Chris Bay, Rahit Raju, and, uh, which we learned on Twitter, the greatest wrestler to ever live, uh, TJ Perkins, uh, TJP. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jeremy, Jeremy, why don't you get into that a little bit for maybe the people that don't follow TJP, which I kind of recommend not following him. 
But for those that that did that don't, uh, <laughs> go ahead and fill them in on 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 the greatness of TJP. Yeah, so uh, TJP put out a tweet a couple weeks ago saying that he's uh, somebody asked about you know has he learned any is there one person that he's learned something from the ring from and he was like no which is just ridiculous being the fact that he's been in the ring with Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe he was training the Anoki Dojo the original LA Dojo and he's wrestled so many talented guys like you have to have, have learned. From several of those guys that you worked, but apparently he, he thinks that he's the ultimate teacher. So we kind of kind of rip around and talk about how you know, the great TJP. But you know, I actually do think TJP is a great professional wrestler. He's really really great. He's one of my favorites in ring. Um, you know, he's he's a lot of stupid stuff outside of the ring, but when he's in the ring, I really enjoy his work. So this should be a, a pretty fun matchup here. Yeah, and you know, I I watched on to watching TJP. Uh, when he was a part of the Cruiserweight Classic, obviously, uh, with that WWE put on, uh, I thought he had some really good matches. He's a great Cruiserweight wrestler. They put him on 205 Live, and he disappeared. I, I mean, what else can you say? Um, he is a really talented wrestler. He does some really cool moves. And just like this podcast, his intro music is 8-bit uh, video game sounding. Um, so special place in my heart for that. I could jam out to his intro music. Um, I, I haven't heard his TNA or Impact music that he's using now, but WWE, he had the 8-bit style. Um, but, you know, I, I'm excited to see this match. Uh, Sandy, you seen any of these guys uh, that that would make you really interested in this match? Um, of course, seeing TJP and back in when he was the cruiser in the Cruiserweights, and he was a Cruiserweight champion, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, yeah, the inaugural one, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, he, like, like Jeremy said, yeah, he, he may do some questionable things outside of uh, his profession, his, like his character that we all know and love in ring. But yeah, once he's in there, man, he there's I don't think there's something that, that he can't do in there. Um, so very excited. I'm not too familiar with um, Chris. Was it Chris Bay? And the other uh, the other guy cannot. Yeah, Raheem I don't think Raju. I'll even try to say his name. Raheem Raju. There we go. And I, I need to get more familiar with him. And I'm sure I will once I keep, continue to watch the Impact product. But Excited to see. I mean, if Chris Bay is the champion, you guys are saying great things about him. I need to do some research before this match, but I'm very excited to see that. It should be it should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jeremy and I, we got the opportunity to see TJP work uh, the uh, American leg uh, of the New Japan tour uh, that was in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, I thought TJP uh, put on a pretty good match. If memory serves correctly, uh, he and his partner had to wrestle against Colcabana and um, I'm I'm drawing a late night uh, podcasting blank. Uh, Toriano, uh, I believe yeah. they had to wrestle those guys, and you know he puts on a pretty good wrestling clinic. Um, but we all know who the star of that match was, and that was Toriano. Um, uh, <laughs> <Kenyano>. <laughs> hashtag Toriano's the greatest. Um, so moving right along here. to the. <laughs> Sandy, we're gonna fight later about this. Listen, I will smack you. <laughs> I think it's because <laughs> oh, mess with Shooter Sandy. Yeah, Shooter Santos over here. I, for those for those that don't know, uh, Sandy is uh, training in the Lethal Academy uh, to be a professional wrestler. Um, and Jeremy and I have had the the pleasure of seeing her matches. Um, and uh, 
much to the earlier statement about how I would not be in a hallway alone with Jordan Grace, uh, Sandy, uh, you and I will not be caught in a dark alley together because I know I will not leave that uh, <laughs> not bruised. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> watch what you say on here. <laughs> well, that's why we're recording this uh, over phone and not in person. So I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. On <laughs> okay, you can have, all right, I'll just keep a cookie in my back pocket for emergency use. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, moving right along here, uh, we have the TNA Championship, uh, which is held currently by Moose, and he's going to be defending that against Trey Miguel, who we saw he thought was giving the, the challenge to suicide. Um, but since he actually gave it to Trey Miguel, uh, Trey Miguel is going to get the shot here. Um, I've only seen minimal Trey Miguel. And uh, I watched Moose shove Tommy Dreamer into some tacks. Uh, so I'm interested to see kind of where they, how they want to play this match here. Cause uh, Moose is much bigger than Trey Miguel. Yeah. This will be a good, you know, big man, a uh, little man matchup. Um, yeah. Trey part of the rascals. I'm, I'm more familiar with um, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz of the rascals than I am with Trey Miguel, but I've seen a, a, f- a few of Trey matches and, High flyers like those guys. So this should be, you know, the David versus Goliath kind of style matchup here. Those are always fun. I'm excited. Yep. And, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I feel like Goliath is going to win this one. So we'll see. Because, I mean, Moose looks like a million bucks. And, and he just, I mean, he's just intimidating. Um, moving right along here. And this is a tag team uh, that you mentioned, Jeremy, that you were getting excited about watching Impact again. It's the uh, tag team champions, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, defending the, against the North. Uh, the North, uh, of course, uh, dropped the titles to them uh, post Slammiversary, um, and then now in a rematch here. Um, two really solid tag teams. Uh, this has a chance, in my opinion, uh, to walk away as the best match of the night. Yeah, I really enjoyed the tag title match that it had on Impact, where the Guns won the titles from the North. Um, Morsi Machine Guns, one of my favorite tag teams ever. Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, so influential on the wrestling industry. Both guys, they've been all over the place. They've been in, in Ring of Honor, Impact, uh, New Japan. We saw Alex Shelley, uh, he teamed up with Kushida um, in the tag tournament they were doing on NXT. These guys have been all over the place, super talented guys, and I'm so glad that they're back together. They're both healthy and back in action here. And then the North, great up-and-coming tag team. Uh, Josh Alexander, the walking weapon. And all ego, Ethan Page. Both these guys are great. They're from Canada. Um, solid tag team. This is going to be. I really enjoyed the first match. This rematch should be great as well. And I'll say too, Ethan Page is jacked right now. Yeah, he's another guy that's gotten in incredible shape during the quarantine. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about it. Sandy, have you watched any of the, either of these tag teams, or is this another one we're going to do some uh, some research here? Oh no, I am very excited. It's go- I I agree to. I think it's gonna be match of the night, hands down. I like no question. Um, Ethan Page, he is just. I've been a fan of him for for many years. I love how how just completely honest he is about the business. How he he seems like such a caring, down to earth guy. Not only that, but he in the ring, he is just you can you could his passion kind of flows through his work, through his promos, through his speech, and. I, I love watching that guy. I'm not too familiar with his tag team partner, 
Um, and of course, watching Impact now, seeing the, the tag team, the North, I love the name. Um, excited to see them work together, but that should be in 1010. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. And then uh, the aforementioned Kylie Ray versus Ty Valkyrie. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a Wrestle House match. Hopefully, they go a little bit longer than the other Wrestle House matches that we've seen. Um, but they might, you know, they might save something in the tank for those two later on, uh, especially if we see Kylie Ray at some point uh, get the Knockouts Championship away from either Deanna Perrazzo or Jordan Grace, depending on how that goes with Night Two. Um, we'll preview Night Two next week. Uh, since that card's not 100% uh, there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm very, very pleasantly surprised uh, with how good this week's show was. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a better wrestling show than some of the other ones that I've been watching. Uh, one of them is on Wednesdays. The other ones are on Mondays and Fridays, and you can kind of figure out from there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's I, I'm super excited about it. And... I'm also super excited to talk to you guys a little bit more about Manscaped. So, Sandy, if you want to close your ears, close your close eyes. Close my ears. Whatever, whatever you oh. need to do. Oh, no. Uh, All my senses are closed. <laughs> so, you know, Jeremy, growing up, you try to do a lot of stupid stuff with razors. You think, oh, you know, there was a I, – I shaved my stomach one time just to see what it felt like. You know? <laughs> and I didn't use the right razor for it. I got razor burn pretty bad. When the razor burn cooled, I thought, okay, my, you know, hey, smooth belly is kind of cool. But, you know, that's something that I, as a 14-year-old, enjoyed only me because, you know, let's be honest, 14-year-old Josh wasn't doing so hot with the ladies. But I did pick up a Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 using the special promo code SUPLEX to get my 20% off and to get free shipping. And I got to tell you, it's a smooth shave. It's no hassle. It has an LED light to help you see in the shower because I don't know about you. My shower does not have a light in it because it burned out and I just haven't gotten around to replacing it. So having that <laughs> LED light on the end of that, that mower is awesome. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, the, the ball, the ball deodorant, it's awesome. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. We live in Florida. It's super muggy. Something I've, I've been in need of a product like this. For a long time, Jeremy, and I'm I'm happy to report that it is the money well spent. So if you like me, want to use the right tools, head on over to Manscaped.com, throw in the promo code Suplex, save yourself twenty percent, and get free shipping. And you know what? Not only will you feel good about yourself, but your balls will thank you too. Yeah, great product. I also have me a lawnmower 3.0. Make sure everything's you no. Know, Nice and tidy in all, all the places. And, yeah, it's a great product, like you mentioned. Yeah, use our promo code SUPLEX. You help yourself out, and you'll help out this show and all the shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Which uh, I, I – and I'll welcome Sandy back in here. Uh, you know, Sandy and I are super happy to be a part of uh, the Social Suplex Network. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of listening to just uh, going – throwing on the feed and just hearing all the great voices that we have on the network. Uh, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style are two of my favorites. Uh, obviously, I know you guys. I go to wrestling shows with you guys. I talk to you guys daily uh, through our Facebook group chat. Shout out to the Largo Loop. And I still listen to you guys talk about wrestling for a combined six hours every week because the shows are that good. <laughs> so, you know, even though, you know, I think I might know everything you guys have to say on the podcast just from our daily conversations, 
there's always more. So head on over to the Social Suplex podcast feed on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then also the individual show feeds as well. Uh, a lot of good stuff on there. So switching gears real quick, and, and we're going a little bit longer than I expected. Well, let's talk real quick about the AEW Women's Tag Tournament, The Deadly Draw. I think I got that right. It's a very wordy title. Yep, Deadly um, Draw. I was excited about this uh, because I I really enjoy a good women's wrestling product. I'm excited for what Impact is bringing with the Knockouts Division. And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism about AEW's women's wrestling product. They don't get a lot of uh, they don't get a lot of love on the on dynamite. You might see a five minute match on dark. You might see a two minute match on dynamite, like we saw with Swole and Reba this past week, uh, or excuse me, uh, a week ago. So giving the women a spot to showcase their talents, their abilities, have a little bit more room to breathe with their matches. I was super excited about it, and I was also hoping. And I still hope that they will sign some of these women that they brought in for this tournament. Um, we saw a pretty strong week one with the Nightmare Sisters. I, I think you know writings on the wall about what who's you know what what they're going to do in this tournament, uh, which is the team of uh, Allie and uh, Brandy Rhodes. And a really strong showing uh, I thought from uh, NXT uh, castoff Tay Conti um, and Anna Jay, who is a part of the Dark Order. Um, they both won to advance last week. And so this week, uh, we saw a couple of really good quarterfinals matches. Uh, we had first Big Swole and Lil Swole teaming up to go against Leva Bates and Rache Chanel. Now, I, I believe, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, that Big Swole and Lil Swole uh, used to work together uh, in a previous promotion. Is that correct? Yeah, they've teamed together in Shimmer, and I think they've probably teamed together in Shine, too. Uh, Little Swole, better known as Nicole Savoy, uh, a top independent women's wrestler. She's been all over the indie scene, Shimmer Shine, Ring of Honor. Um, she's you know been all over the place. She's a great worker, and I'm glad they brought her in for this tournament. And she was in the Mae Young Classic, the first one, correct? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean and then, of course, Big Swole, uh, Ed's uh, Ariel Monroe was in the second one. Um I, I thought they looked really strong. Uh, you know, Leva Bates and Rache Chanel, you kind of knew when they threw that team out there what was going to happen. Uh, I thought uh, Leva is someone that I can see has potential, but I just don't – she's just not going to get the reps there. Uh, you know, I, she's kind of shoehorned in with Peter Avalon and, you know, doing the whole librarian gimmick. Uh, you know, it's not my favorite character work, um, but, you know, she's, she's giving it her all. And she ate a pretty pretty nasty finisher here. Yeah, this was a you know fine matchup for what it was. Like you mentioned, yeah, you know, Rache Chanel and Leva Bates kind of knew what you were getting here. This match was obviously more about putting over Swole, both Swoles here, Big and Little Swole. Um, and yeah, sold that that finisher pretty well there. Yeah, and and it was kind of a cool little uh, uh, tag team finisher here. Uh, where it was kind of like a a flatliner natural selection kind of thing, you know. It was it was really good teamwork here. Um, Sandy, uh, did you get a chance to watch that match? I did watch the match. Unfortunately, 
sorry guys i did not get to watch the entire of night two i watched the wrong night i watched night one um but i did get to watch the first match for the deadly draw night two quarterfinals um it had thought it was hilarious i was dying laughing when um little swole was out in the ring and she's kind of just beating up on uh chanel and she just stomps over to to the other corner and just picks her up puts her over her shoulders like come on girl we gotta go to our corner i was laughing it's like focus focus here we're in a tournament and she's like but how is she gonna do me like that i thought that was hilarious um like you said josh we all kind of knew what the what was gonna happen here with uh with chanel i'm not too familiar with her but you can kind of see by what what she's wearing how she's acting that it's gonna be one of more more entertainment more comedic type of uh wrestler uh which we can all enjoy i don't mind that at all um but i thought, I thought it was a, a nice little nice little first match for night two i enjoyed it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, every you know, both both women sold really well, and you know, Rache Chanel, uh, I think uh, uh, Vito put a made a comment uh, that Lil Swole was working the purse carrying arm of Chanel, uh, which would of course, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, something that that's you know, says she really needed to to not have happen. Uh, but you know, and and I'll say too, I I really enjoy uh, the commentary team uh, that they that they're trying out for this, uh, really fun yeah. stuff. I'm not and sure then, if I'm saying her name. Uh, Vita, Veda, Scott? Be- Be- yeah, Veda Scott. Is it Veda? Veda. Did Veda, I say Veda? Veda. <laughs> I, I always say Veda, too. I'm like the worst of that. <laughs> but it was, she is so great on commentary. I think that's one of the first times AEW has brought her over for, for that role, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Jeremy? Yeah, it's the first time. Yeah, it's kind of bringing her in. First time being on screen for AEW. And yeah, Veda's another um, independent woman wrestler who's been all over the place. She's also done a lot of commentary work, too. She's done commentary for Ring of Honor and some other places before, so she does have that experience. So yeah, I think her and Tony did a, a great job, and it's great kind of having the women's wrestler perspective on the commentary. Yes. Absolutely. I enjoyed and I think- that, and I got to make a note. Even for even with Impact, having, um, having Madison Rain on the commentary team was, was so great. You, you have to kind of... It's, it's enjoyable when, when that works, when you can have the woman's perspective in there, especially coming from wrestlers so they know what they're talking about. Kind of what we see in NXT um, with, oh my gosh, why is the name escaping me right now? Beth Phoenix. Help me out. Beth Phoenix, thank you. <laughs> I love it when she was brought on, and I, and I feel like that's something that, that Raw and SmackDown can use. And now that, you know, when Renee was taken away from the team, I really enjoyed Renee in there too, but that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree, and, and it's always, I mean, I think especially uh, in wrestling, uh, female voices uh, definitely need to be heard more, especially, you know, if there's women in the ring, get that woman wrestling perspective, uh, you know, even just, you know, when it's two dudes in there, I mean, let, you know, if, if you have a female wrestler that's a, a good announcer, put her on there, you know, let her, let her talk about it, because she knows those moves too. Agreed. And, you know, speaking of uh, the production team, uh, the second match uh, was kind of a, an interesting introduction to it um, because um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of them using Medusa so much. Um, but, you know, I get it. She's got a lot of history, obviously, on TNT. Uh, so Medusa comes out uh, backstage and tells Dasha that she's going to take a draw. Um, and she winds up getting paired with Rachel Ellering. Uh, so we got to see Rachel for the first time in an AEW ring. I saw Rachel wrestle a couple of times in NXT before she got hurt. Um, 
And then I, I was, I was saw her as well with the Mae Young Classic too. Um, I think Rachel is awesome. And I'm excited to see her there. Um, and I was also extremely excited to see their opponents, um, which we saw uh, wrestle each other against each other on Dynamite, and that's Diamante and Ivelisse. Um, this was a super awesome. I, I really enjoyed this match. It's probably my favorite match of the tag tournament so far. Um, I thought all four women wrestled really hard. Uh, Dasha looked great, I thought, um, for someone who hasn't wrestled in a while. Um, I think I think the last time, and I believe I read that she said this on Twitter, was like an NXT house show back in like 2014. So it's been a while. Yeah, this was actually... Oh, sorry, Jane. No, 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 I went. I I remember talking to you, Josh, about this. I think I, if she, if it's the right show, I saw her at that NXT um, Largo show. It may have been a different one around the same time, but she, Dasha, came out and she was, she was in um, kind of like some nerdy gear. That was gonna be her gimmick. She was like a really nerdy girl, and she came in the ring, and I was like, oh, Dasha, it was great. You know, she had. I think she suffered some injuries prior to that because I remember she had a pretty big knee brace I, I forget which leg it was but it was really really exciting to see her you know we all know her from from commentary and i'm pretty sure she was doing commentary before um but she was getting in that ring and it's very exciting you know of course after that you we didn't really see her much she kind of just stayed on on the commentary track which i thought she did great in wwe when when they had her in the backstage segments she she shows personality she shows uh, a human connection rather than just a robot on the microphone interviewing people. So it was very, I, I would need to go back and watch this match. Um, just very excited to see her in that ring again. Yeah, it's crazy. This was only her second match of her whole career. And her first match was that match five years ago at the, the Largo Loop oh. show. Um, and, you know, honestly, you couldn't really tell it. Like looking at like, obviously you watch her, you can tell like, yeah, she's, a beginner she's still very green um there were some points where she might have been seemed like a little indecisive besides that she's a great athlete great personality like there was no single botches whatsoever like no she looked pretty solid in there and she's been training um at the flatback school which is run by tyler breeze and sean spears here in uh, florida and so yeah she's been getting her reps in and she looks really good and i think with some time getting more more reps more matches like She's somebody that could be a star of the division. Yeah, and and I even made made a note like we need to see her. I think in the ring more, especially given that a lot of the talent is stuck overseas. There you have Statlander sideline with a knee injury. You have Britt Baker, obviously, who's been you know on the sidelines with a knee injury. They need female wrestlers to step in here, um, and I think that Dasha is someone they can rely on. And you know what? She's already there. And I think, you know, she's not going to be as in demand as some of the other talents are. So I think you have a real shot here to have that homegrown talent kind of come through this. And I thought she looked great. Uh, you mentioned that she's, you know, did, uh, you know, she's a great athlete. I, they brought up Titan games a few times. Um, once I heard the first time, I kind of started listening to it more. Um, and then what's funny too is I noticed on Dynamite this week uh, that. Uh, Dwayne Johnson was mentioned by name. So uh, AEW is kind of uh, teasing a little bit of Dwayne Johnson, uh, you know, stuff. And, you know, even to the point where Jim Ross called a uh, Uranagi the rock bottom uh, on, on the Dynamite broadcast, Ooh. which, which you, know, you know, 
it, you know, I, I don't know what they're trying to do, uh, putting Dwayne over, but you know what? Uh, I, not that Dwayne needs any help uh, getting over. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it, I thought that was a funny little wrinkle there. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the talk of the match was, was Diamante and Ivelisse. Um, they've clearly, they've been training together for a long time. They, they're a pretty, you know, pretty good team. Um, you know, it kind of, like you say, Jeremy, there was some indecisiveness towards the end of the match with Dasha kind of not necessarily like she knew where to go, but then maybe second guessed her a little bit. Um, but you know, they wind up getting the, uh, the, uh, win here for Diamante and Ivelisse, um, which sets up uh, our semifinal matches which will be the Swole fam, as they started calling them towards the end of the broadcast, against the Nightmare Sisters. Um, and then Ivelisse and Diamante against the team of TJ, as they've named themselves, Tay Conti and uh, Anna Jay. And this sets up an interesting thing here, because I think we all think that the Nightmare Sisters are just going to win this thing. I don't think that's the right call, but being that they're the only team with two signed wrestlers on it. <laughs> and that fact that Brandy Rhodes is there, it feels like that's what it's going to be. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking at the next dynamite, which is going to be uh, on the Saturday after the NBA playoffs. Um, I think we're going to see the nightmare sisters uh, wrestle against Ivelisse and Diamante for the final. So I actually think that, Nightmare Sisters are going to lose the tournament in the tournament. I think they'll get to the finals, but I, we, we've been seeing this kind of relationship between Brandy and Allie over the last few months now, where it's kind of this now this kind of frenemy relationship that kind of they pretend to like each other, they hate each other. They're, it's it's kind of weird. And so, and last week Brandy started acting very heelish, talking about her, you know, being the first woman to have action figures and kind of you know rubbing it in Allie's face. So. I think they're going to get to the finals, but there's going to be some miscommunication, and one of them are going to turn on each other, and that's going to cost them the, the deadly draw uh, tournament. I surely hope so, because as soon as Josh said <laughs> that they're probably going to win, I literally did a FaceTime over video. He couldn't see me, but if you heard a smack, that was me smacking my forehead with my palm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, you know, we, we see this start and stop a lot with Brandy in the ring. Um the first show that I ever went to with you, Jeremy, uh, was, a, I believe it was, was it Fight for the Fallen uh, up at Daly's Place last year? <clears throat> and we saw a, a, a match between Allie and Brandy. It was not great. Um, and you see this, you know, the Nightmare Collective thing. You have these different ideas of putting Brandy in the ring. Um I kind of wish that they would just either go all in and just, no, no pun intended, um, push her as a wrestler and leave her in there um, or just take her out completely and let the other women talent get some shine, get some opportunity. Um, and, and I sure hope you're right. I hope there is, you know, kind of even like a, uh, a double turn or something where Allie becomes a face and Brandy goes full heel. Uh, we've seen teases of Cody going heel. So maybe the whole, the Nightmare family as a whole, you know, kind of turns heel and maybe QT and Allie become the faces out of that uh, popular choice of the uh, Largo Loop QT Marshall. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. I, I'm entertained. It's on YouTube. Real easy watch. I mean, it's right about, you know, what, 45 minutes uh, each episode. 
Um, yeah. So I'm a little yeah, bit disappointed that the final is not going to be on the pay-per-view card. I wish that they would give the women that match on that card. Um, but we're getting it on Dynamite um, instead of YouTube for the finals. Um, and I guess that's good enough for now. Yeah, they've been doing pretty good YouTube numbers. I know the week one was almost 600,000 uh, viewers on YouTube, which was higher than um, Dark for that week and yeah. higher than any other, a lot of the videos that they have on there. So, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's definitely been a great attraction to the YouTube channel and getting a lot of eyeballs on these women as well. So, yeah, pretty good. And how beautiful does that cup look? doesn't look oh, yeah. hokey at all. It looks like a legitimate prize that's worth competing for. Because, like, oh, my gosh, what was that one for WWE WrestleMania? The, you're talking about the women's, to... the women's Battle Royal. The, the one uh... that looked like a uterus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I wanted to cry. <laughs> that was not a great-looking trophy. Uh, <laughs> no. It was. It looked like it was, was designed by a 12-year-old boy. Uh, I mean, quite frankly. <laughs> So bad. <laughs> or maybe it was designed by, you know, nine-year-old Josh watching Monday Night Nitro uh, with the uh, <laughs> channel flipper on. You know, who knows? <laughs> it's all you. So, I knew it. Anyways, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the wrestling portion of what we wanted to talk about uh, for this week. And we're going to shift gears here and we're going to flip it over to talking about games. Um, I'm a huge fan of video games. I've been playing them literally as long as i can remember um i know sandy you're big into games jeremy i know you play games we've 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 talked uh you know the three of us separately um about video games um and now we're going to talk a little bit together about it uh in in the format that sandy and i have kind of talked about for this program just throwing it out there there's going to be a weekly topic about uh video games whether that be like this week's topic is going to be wrestling and video games Future topics might be free-to-play games on cell phones, even for those of you that are casual gamers. Uh, you know, games that we're playing right now, new releases we're excited for, uh, consoles that are coming out. So there's, there's, I mean, video games is as, as fast a topic uh, that there really can be. And so if you want to hear us talk about something, uh, feel free to tweet us at Suplex on Twitter um, and give us some suggestions. Uh, we're open to it. Um, we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Um, and I'll talk about anything video game related, uh, because chances are I've played it. I still have my collection of systems in the closet. I'm not allowed to keep all of them at at once. Um, although I would (laughs) love to, um, but you know, I got everything still going back to the regular Nintendo all the way up through my PS4 pro. Uh, I have a switch. Obviously we talked about animal crossing earlier. Uh, And and so just to kind of like kick off that discussion, uh, Jeremy, what was the, the first, time that you remember wrestling being in video games and and kind of what hooked you into it and what kind of made that a part of your regular video game playing yeah so i think the first game first wrestling game i can remember playing was for sega genesis i believe it was royal rumble was the game great Um, game i'm picturing i think i think like lex luger like macho man was on the cover of the game and so, yeah, that like, like I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show, I've been watching wrestling since I was like two or three. My whole family used to be really big into wrestling and also into video games, too. And so also being a big wrestling fan and having video games, you have to you have to get a wrestling video game. And so 
yeah, that was the first game I can remember playing. And like, yeah, the wrestling video games have always been a big part of my life as well. And playing those games and trying to relive the matches. And, you know, Shawn Michaels growing up was my favorite wrestler. So always play as Shawn and would put him over in all the games and, um, you know, make him win all the belts and stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Sandy, uh, Sandy, what was your first experience with wrestling and video games? So I, I've been playing video games longer than I've been watching wrestling. I was born and raised in Colombia. And I previously, before moving to the United States, I had no idea what wrestling even was. I think I even, I found out about wrestling even before I knew how to speak English properly. But I was playing video games in Colombia and I never once saw like any wrestling video games over there. I was busy playing um, Super Mario and Zelda, like Zelda's like my favorite game next to uh, Maniac Mansion. If any listeners uh, out there have played Maniac Mansion, or even if you guys have played it, my number one favorite game in the whole entire world. The right point-and-click adventure game. Love those games. But it wasn't until after I started watching wrestling when I was scrolling through the channels. And I'm like, what in the heck is happening there? Attitude Era, 1998. No, I think it was 99, maybe 2000. That's when I got hooked. And, of course, getting hooked into it. It's like, okay, where can I get more of this? Instead of just watching once a week and the pay-per-views, I need more. I need more. Give me more. So I convinced my mom to buy me... I believe it was WWF Attitude, which came out in 99. That was the one that came out shortly after Owen Hart's death, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember it had like a little like tribute like um, that it was dedicated to Owen Hart. Um, so that was my first wrestling video game. So I was like, okay, my first love is video games. And now I'm obsessed with wrestling. And holy crap, they make a video game of wrestling. Sign me up. <laughs> so that was my very first one. And you know what's so funny? I actually have to share some pictures with you guys of my all my video game systems. I still have them all, and they're kind of working. Um, I just moved to an apartment that has a little loft upstairs, and I have an old TV up there, uh, this nine-cube furniture piece where I have them all in there, and they're all connected, and I'm making them work whether they want to or not. They're going to turn on, damn it, and I'm going to play. <laughs> and the other day, I actually got to play WWF Attitude. Um, not as good as I remember, like with, with most things from back in that day. You were like, why was I obsessed with this? And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very good. I I don't even understand, but that was my very first one, and I'll it'll always have a special spot in my heart <laughs> because of that. That's awesome, and that, you know, we'll we'll throw up the pictures of uh, of the systems, uh, the video game system collections uh, on our uh, Twitter feed there, because um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of show off, I'll I'll, I'll flex too, uh, and show off mine. <laughs> and, you know, I'm you know, Jeremy, I don't know if you got any retro consoles still. I know you're rolling with the Xbox uh, family, but yeah, growing growing up, we had all the consoles growing up, and at my parents' house, yeah, the Sega Genesis is still there, the N64, Super Nintendo. Uh, my brother has some of them hooked up, but yeah, we still have some of our consoles. Maybe I'll next time I go over there, try and grab some picks and some of the stuff that we have. There you go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So my first experience, like I said, growing up, we had a regular Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System, and we always had this game that none of us could beat. Me, me my brother, my dad, we just gave up on it. And it was tag team wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment System, where you, (laughs) I mean, it is so difficult. And it's so, I have never won a match in it. And I fancy myself as someone that's pretty good at video games. I've beaten the original Ninja Gaiden. So, you know, for people that are listening, that's a very tough game. Historically, people have, you know, 
you know, a lot of those side scroller action games, you know, I've played through those, beat those. I cannot figure out how to win at tag team wrestling. And supposedly <laughs> you don't ever actually like, you don't beat it. You win 10 matches, then you get the belt and then you have to keep defending that belt. And then eventually you lose. Um, that's the way I understand <laughs> it. I've never experienced anything past the first match. So I can't confirm that, but I remember vividly playing it. Um, and then years later, if it's funny because there is a, a masked wrestler that you face in that game who later served as the inspiration uh, for uh, the turn of the century uh, video website, homestarrunner.com. There was a character named strong bad and his design was modeled after that masked wrestler in tag team wrestling on the Nintendo entertainment system. So that's your, your nerd fact of the day. Um, but it was, you know, I had fun playing it as a kid. I don't know why I had fun playing it as a kid. Cause I got my ass beat every single time. Uh, but, but the, like I mentioned before, the game that really got me in love with professional wrestling and video games. The first one was WCW versus NWO. Uh, it might've even just been WCW world tour. Um, and then the follow-up to that game, which was WCW versus NWO Revenge, and then Nintendo 64. I mean, that was I such cannot... a good one. I want to find it. I don't have it in my collection anymore. Well, when you come over for cookies, we'll play it because I have it on. I still have the cartridge. Um, I shouldn't say still have. Nice. A couple of Christmases ago, me, my siblings and I, uh, we started doing like name draws because our families, especially as my brother started having kids, I started having kids. Uh, my sister has a kid now, uh, or one of my sisters does, and there's just so many people to buy Christmas presents for. So we started doing name draws. Well, my brother gets me one Christmas, and he buys me um, some Jack Daniels and every wrestling Nintendo 64 game he could find. And so, what? which was like, awesome. I mean, he that got me like awesome. eight. He got me. I had like eight carts that I that I pulled out of that Christmas present. And I don't know how he stayed under the $20 uh, thing. I think it's because mm. I'm his favorite sibling that he went over it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's perhaps a topic for not a podcast. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, WCW Representative Revenge. I mean, I, I can't, like, me and my friends would sit down and play this game just nonstop. It didn't matter if they were wrestling fans. It didn't matter if they were video gamers at all. Everyone sat down to play WCW versus NWO Revenge. And it was awesome. Just the roster size alone, it had everybody from WCW in it. I don't think there's anybody from WCW that's not in it. And then they also had non-WCW wrestlers um, that were Japanese wrestlers that they kind of, there were some licensing issues. So for here in the States, they kind of reskinned them. Um, and called them something different. Um, but I used as pretty much every time a wrestler named Hanzo Man, who was modeled after Hayabusa. And he did this like jump back kick thing that would knock people out. Like if you were, because if, if you were calling that game, you can, uh, you could do TKO matches where, you know, they start to get up and then they just fall back down to the mat, you know, punch out style. And that was kind of, you know, it was just awesome. I, I mean, I could go on and on about the game. Uh, I mean, Chris Jericho's in the game. Rey Mysterio's in the game. I, I mean, they, I, every every person you could think of. It was just awesome. You know, 
you can get Harlem Heat going. I don't know. I yeah, that was it, a really was solid a, video game. It was, and then also you you had all the managers out there too. Yeah, that was yeah. the first game I really remember that the managers were actively a part of it. You know, you could literally be sitting there wrestling a match, and out of nowhere, Dusty Rhodes hits you with an elbow. You know what is that about? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but you know, it, it's wrestling and video games. It's not all good. There's been some bumps in the road. Um, and, you know, most notably, even uh, with the 2K games, last year's 2K game was broken. It was very glitchy. There's still ways to have My fun goodness. with it. Yeah. But it's just it just felt like a rushed product. It felt like the game studio didn't devote enough time to really making sure they were putting out a completed game. And, you know, I know, Jeremy, you played the 2K games. Um, where do you, where do they come back from this? I mean, how do they, how do they fix it in your mind to make it a game that you want to buy in the future? So I think so far they, they've kind of made the right step on not releasing a, a new game this year. And definitely, I think, just going back to the drawing board and kind of saying, all right, how do we make this game better? How do we change it? Because honestly, I feel like with all the 2K games, it's honestly been a, a you know a cut and paste of the previous game and they just added the new wrestlers and took wrestlers out and you know maybe added one or two features but they, they really didn't spend a lot of time you know working on the gameplay making the functionality better um you know they didn't really pay attention to a lot of the finer details they just kind of copy and pasted and just you know give it a little facelift and so i think they need to yeah Take the year off, reevaluate the game, see how they can make the, the gameplay better, make it more functional, um, and just incorporate features that you know wrestling video game fans have been clamoring for. And just really pay some attention to detail. I mean, wrestling is there's so much detail in wrestling. There's so many different characters and personalities and maneuvers, and taking the time to make sure that all flows and, and making the match fun to play some of it they they probably went a little bit too much trying to make it too realistic and that, that made some of the gameplay a little bit clunky instead of making it a little bit more fast moving um but yeah they seem to kind of look back i think they should look back at the, the smackdown series i thought the smackdown series were, were really well done um here comes the pain was my, my favorite in that series and there was just so much functionality there and the customization of wrestlers and the, the season mode was great and kind of walking through kind of the big storylines that were happening there. And you can put anybody in the season mode and kind of go through that. So, yeah, I think we just need to kind of, you know, be a little creative and kind of break the mold and just kind of, instead of doing the whole cookie cutter, copy and paste kind of model they've been doing. Absolutely. The SmackDown games were really, were really up there as far as the creativity. It was just very exciting. Every time, every time I remember getting the SmackDown game, so put it on and play. And I knew that I was going to be, um, excited and happy to play it. The past few 2K games, it's like, all right, let's see, let's see if we can get through the glitches this time around. Let's see if we can actually play it. Let's see if this download will actually work. And they, they, I feel like they just got complacent. Exactly like you said, Jeremy, it's just copy and paste. Maybe it's time to explore a contract with a different uh, publisher, with a different developer. Um, maybe it's time to just completely start new, start fresh, uh, rather than kind of seeing what we can salvage from the from the previous uh, 2K installment. But who knows? I absolutely think you're right where um, deciding to skip the release for this year was the right choice, especially after the disaster that was the game last year. So hopefully better and better things will come 
from next year. We'll see. Yeah, and you know they they are still releasing a game. It's just not the yearly two K game. Uh, it is two K yeah. Battlegrounds, which is uh, looking it's much more in the vein of one, isn't it? Um, no, it's a little bit different. So this one's more in the vein of like that old All Stars game, um, where it's mm-hmm. a little bit more cartoony. Uh, like uh, the commercial for it has, I think John Cena being thrown into the jaws of an alligator. Um, which I don't know how the alligator knew he was coming because you can't see him, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, sorry, Jeremy, I had to. It was just right there. Um, you know, I, I think the problem with, with the WWE 2K games, like you said, it's the copy-paste. It's the it's uncreative. It's just do the same thing we always did. And, you know, that, I think that mirrors a lot of what's going on in WWE right now. We're not a WWE podcast, but, you know – it's it, it they mirror each other, right? If WWE is not investing in their product that they're putting out and trying to make it as creative and new and fresh, it's going to reflect that in the other media's that they put out. And so I think you know there there's a good opportunity for them to jump back and say, okay, let's let's restart this, especially since there is going to be a publisher that's going to get signed for an AEW game. Uh, at some point that Kenny Omega is, you know, heavily involved with trying to help kind of get that thing launched. Um, and I'll say, uh, I mean, I, at this point, I'd be more interested in trying that game whenever it comes out than picking up another yearly 2K release. Yeah. And also um, Aubrey Edwards, uh, one of the head referees, she's had an experience. She used to work in video game design mm-hmm. before she got into wrestling and became a referee. And so she's also, working on that video game with Kenny. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be very creative, and I think they're going to have a completely different um, approach to it. There's also another wrestling game that's in the works. I don't know if you guys have heard of, uh, I think it's called Virtual Basement. It's like the video game company. Oh, and it's yes. like an independent wrestling game. And, like, they're getting like, all these independent wrestlers, and it's supposed to be coming out sometime, I think maybe the next year or so. And they've been working on that. And so I'm pretty interested to see kind of how the gameplay of that's going to be, especially – Featuring so many independent talents, you know, a lot of times in the the games you you create your favorite independent guy or you download your favorite independent guy, but to actually have them scanned and modeled and to be able to play as some of these indie guys to be pretty cool as well. Yeah, that's, that's a be very exciting. I just hope that the oh, Richmond. Okay, yeah. I just really hope that the Corona situation didn't um, prevent that project from moving forward. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, Corona's had a weird impact on video games as a whole. Uh, you've seen, you know, release delays because they don't know how they can ship things. Uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake earlier this year got pushed back. Uh, that was at one point going to be a holiday release last year. It wound up releasing, I believe, in April this year. Last of Us Part Two got pushed back. Uh, Cyberpunk got pushed back. I mean, so, man, Corona's really messed up a lot of stuff. And obviously, both topics of this pod- podcast have been impacted greatly for it. I'm looking forward to the day that we don't have to talk about coronavirus messing up our daily lives, messing up the, the entertainment that we're trying to enjoy. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say this, you know, hey, God bless the people that are still going out every week and uh, doing it in the safe way, most safe way possible uh, to try and entertain people, give somebody, you know, something to smile about. Um, you know, we, up until recently, we didn't have any other pro sports. Uh, so, you know, the, the wrestlers have really been taking, you know, a lot of bumps. A lot of guys have gotten opportunities because of it to take some extra bumps. And, you know, shout out to all those guys and, you know, to everyone that's uh, out there trying uh, their their damnedest to 
earn a paycheck and keep entertaining people. Sure, man. So with that, you know, uh, we're going to head towards signing off. We're going a little bit longer than I expected. We joked before uh, that we did not want to hit a certain time of the night um, before starting pushing the record button. And um, we are approaching that time that we said that we did not want to get to. Uh, so real quick, uh, we'll just go around. Uh, outside of Impact, outside of the AEW Women's Tag Team Tournament, the Daily Draw, uh, what was one match uh, that you think the listeners should go and uh, take a look at? Jeremy, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so for me, if you are a subscriber of NJPW World, or if you want to use some other methods, I think you should watch the opening match of the New Japan Cup USA, which featured uh, Carl Fredericks, the Alpha Wolf, taking on Kenta. Uh, it was a very hard-hitting match, great way to kick off the, the U.S. version of the New Japan Cup. And, yeah, definitely think it's a match to check out. Awesome. Sandy, what's your one match? My one match for this week has got to be Heather Monroe versus uh, Hikaru Shida and AEW Dynamite. For, it was a women's um, world title, uh, title match. I completely enjoyed it. It was very short and straight to the point, but it got to showcase an independent wrestler whom I'm not, I'm not very familiar with, but I feel like if anyone who's like me who doesn't really know much about this wrestler, this is able to kind of showcase her in a way like, oh man, I want to I wanna see more of her. Who is this Heather Monroe chick? Um, the match is very aggressive from the get-go. Um, Cheetah looked great. Monroe looked great. I love how you could um, you could see how mean her strikes looked. Like, it was brutal. Like She was actually getting in there and it's like, okay, this is my chance. This is my shot. I'm going in there and I'm going to just throw those elbows and I'm going to throw those uh, punches and I'm going to make it look like I am here for a reason and that is to win, which I mean, hello, that's what pro wrestling is. You're in there, you're in a match, you're in a fight, you're in a bout, you have to give it your all. And I feel like Heather Monroe did this absolutely uh, perfectly. They were absolutely brutal. Um, they both looked great. Like I said, even though it was a very short match, uh, I really enjoyed what Monroe was able to showcase here and I'm excited to see more of her. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, and anytime we get to see Hikaru Shida, not a bad night. Uh, my one match, uh, you know what? Uh, throw up AEW uh, Dark. Take a look at Lee Johnson versus Phoenix. Um, Lee Johnson sells his ass off for Phoenix, and, you know, Phoenix just rousles and dazzles every week. I, I, I you know, it's it's the Rey Mysterio fan in me, the Lucha fan in me, that anytime I see a masked wrestler do something, it's five stars out at the top. You know, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a, a subscriber to Rich Lotta Pro Wrestling. Uh, the more flips, the more acrobatics, uh, the more interested I get. Um, but really check that out. Phoenix is great. Uh, Lee Johnson is one of those guys that stepped up in, in the times of COVID here to uh, really uh, take a lot of bumps, uh, get squashed a lot on Dark uh, and on Dynamite uh, early on in the pandemic. Um, so shout out to that guy. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, the first uh, episode of the podcast we thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. Uh, check out all of the podcasts on the Social Suplex uh, Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 8BitSuplex. Um, and uh, you know what? While you're at it, head on over to Manscaped.com. Throw in the promo code SUPLEX. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Uh, and that's it. Uh, with that, I bid you adieu. And uh, we're signing off. Sandy, say goodbye. 
bye, you guys. I do want to mention one little plug here, if you guys don't mind me. Um, oh, by all means. <laughs> definitely, Avis Suplex, definitely all the uh, social suplex uh, networks and shows that we have available. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for giving us a chance to do the show with you and uh, for the audience. I really hope you guys like it. Um, I am on social media. I, As Josh mentioned before, I am training to be a uh, pro wrestler. I've had a couple of matches, which actually you can check out on the Fight TV app or on fight.tv. Uh, if you guys look up Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling, you get to see all of our previous shows there. So check that out and follow me on Twitter. I am at Sailor Zelda. Uh, yes, I love Sailor Jupiter. And yes, I love uh, The Legend of Zelda. So that's that right there. And you can find me on Instagram uh, at Sandy Gaviria. The last name spelling there, G-A-V-I-R-I-A. Um, if anything, I'm sure you guys can find me on Twitter, and hopefully we'll be in touch. Awesome. Jeremy, you got anything else you want to throw out there, buddy? Yeah, you, can, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can follow at Social Suplex, and that's where you can get you know, all of our shows. And like Josh said, make sure you subscribe. Support all the shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And I'm looking forward to more 8-Bit Suplex episodes, guys. Awesome. Yay. Thanks so much, everyone. Subscribe, throw us five stars. If this was a Dave Meltzer app, you could throw six, but they cap us at five. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.